And now, introducing the man who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. The Candy Glen can because he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. He is Glenn Clark. Oh, very random. Good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. We are, um, you know, every time I, I try to make something better around here, and I, I promise we do that sometimes. We try to make things better. We, it just never happens without at first dealing with things being like three times worse. So we're working on upgrades to our presentation from a video standpoint. Um, and that's a good thing, and we like that, but it's also come along with technology troubles uh, related to our uh, our internet capacities here at the studio. So I apologize in advance. We're uh, you know we're dealing with some stuff. We're working through it. I don't think it should affect our show today, but you know, hey, I can't promise anything. It's uh, it's the way it works. Anytime, anytime you have the right thought, anytime you think you're doing the right thing, you can be sure you will be penalized for it. That's that's a, a certainty that will come along with trying to make a decision like that. It is a uh, a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul. We are with you here in Hamden. Today's show is brought to you by your Baltimore area Chick-fil-A restaurants. If you're looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick-fil-A catering from Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese. Enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Coming up on the program today, in just a few minutes, we're going to catch up with Jay Billis from ESPN, get his thoughts. He has been a Almost passionate defender of Mark Turgeon over the years. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on how things played out with Maryland and Mark Turgeon, and also more importantly, on what happens moving forward with Maryland as they now need a basketball coach, where they are as a program. We're going to be talking about this obviously for a while because there's not going to be a coach, most likely for some time. I mean, unless they they literally go the route of hiring like a, a John Beeline who's currently out of coaching. There's there's not going to be a coach until the season's over. So this is going to be a discussion that we're going to be having for some time because presumably Maryland wants to hire someone who currently has a job, and you just don't do that in the middle of the season. Although I guess college football says to us that all rules are off in some cases as Notre Dame nearly ended up making the college football playoff after um, they had lost their coach. So I, I guess it is possible, but the m- most likely scenario is they're not going to have a coach for a while. We'll also talk about that and more, as well as the actual games that are being played with uh, Patrick Stevens as he joins us, uh, as he does every Tuesday. And then later on in the show, Mike Golick Jr. is going to check in with us from ESPN. I was watching Debatable yesterday, and they were getting into what's going on with Lamar Jackson and him kind of maybe playing some hero ball right now and trying to be Superman, and just how that all happens. and I, We'll talk more about it. Mike Gold Jr. is going to join us a little bit later on in the program as well. So all of that coming up today on a Tuesday edition of GCR. Uh, don't forget, tonight is the return of the Tyus Bowser Show. We will be at the Bowman on Harford Road in Parkville for the Tyus Bowser Show. It's brought to you by Pressbox Grade 8's Memorabilia, as well as my bookie, Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, and Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com. We're asking you to consider bringing uh, new unwrapped toys to help out Great Eights Memorabilia and their toy drive that they have been doing. 
They are um, taking care of a lot of people in the community that need it, and they've got a lot of other events over the span of the next two weeks involving other uh, area athletes. So I would encourage you to go to great8smemorabilia.com. That's with the number eight, great8smemorabilia.com, where you can find out more about what they're doing. But they asked tonight, you want to come out, meet Tyus, and meet his special guest, then um, please, please bring a new unwrapped toy with you to the Tyus Bowser Show tonight on Harford Road uh, at the, in Parkville at the Bowman. Going to be a fun night. We had a show there earlier this season. It was a great place for a show. Looking forward to being back out there this evening. Uh, I know how rabid that part of town is when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. As far as news is concerned, nothing particularly significant. We obviously got confirmation from John Harbaugh, what we already knew, based on Ian Rappaport's uh, reporting that Marlon Humphrey is going to be out for the season. It's a bummer, but it's not new. I mean, we were aware of that. So it's just sort of a what-it-is situation. We already discussed it kind of at nauseum yesterday. I don't really have anything else to add to that conversation today. Um, that's about it as far as news is concerned. John Arbaugh not answering the question about whether or not the Ravens jumped off sides purposefully. Like, we all know the answer is they did. He doesn't need to answer it. And why you don't answer that question, I know that's been brought up a few times. Some people think it's because it's outside of the spirit of the rules of football, so you're not supposed to admit that you're doing something like that. You're not supposed to admit that you're doing something outside of the spirit of the rules. The rules aren't supposed to allow for you to benefit from breaking a rule. That's not the way the sport is supposed to be. Now, we see this all the time in various situations, right? Like the holding thing, um, you know, remember the Ravens in Super Bowl 47 when they had to punt, and they're like, let's try to run as much time off the clock as we possibly can by committing flagrant hold after flagrant hold after flagrant hold to make sure that Sam Cooke can run around as long as he possibly wants before he has to punt the ball so that there is as little time on the clock as possible. In a perfect world, there's no time on the clock, and the game just sort of ends on an untimed down, and you know we kick the ball out of bounds, and the game's over. Like th- There are instances, and we saw this happen with um, both Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel when it came to taking the delay of game penalties. Th- there are instances where coaches have figured out that you can benefit your team by committing a penalty. And it is outside of the spirit of competition to some extent. Now, Mike Tomlin also had the choice to decline that penalty. That's the unique part about this particular situation. Mike Tomlin could have said, no, I see what you're doing. I'm going to decline the penalty. But in part, because there was no guarantee that the Steelers were going to convert on second and two. There was the possibility that the Ravens get a stop in the backfield on third and, and, and create a third and three, third and four, something along those lines. And then maybe they throw an incomplete pass. Now the clock stopped. The Ravens actually saved their timeouts. Mike Tomlin decided not to accept or to decline the penalty. And if they'd ended up losing, they would have been the type of thing that would have been discussed in Pittsburgh today a la what happened in Chicago when the Ravens gave up the touchdown where if they had maybe, I'm trying to remember even who that was. Who was it that caught the ball in that situation? That was, was that, it wasn't Mooney, was it? Was it, who was it? Who scored the touchdown there? 
I don't think it was Mooney. I don't even remember off the top of my head. Was it Jakeem Grant? Maybe it was Jakeem Grant. Whoever it was, there is the thought that they could have just run out of bounds at a certain point. They could have said, or they could have gone down at the five-yard line, ran out the rest of the clock, kicked the field goal to win the game. If the Steelers had lost yesterday, there would have been a moment in that press conference that, that Mike Tomlin did where he apparently called the Ravens predictable. I somehow missed that on Sunday night where he was like, uh, they asked him about the Ravens going for two, and he said, well, they are always going with analytics, and in that way they're predictable, which comes off like a shot, but I'm not really sure. I, if I'm being completely honest, I really don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means they're predictable. If you're saying, well, we expected them to go for two, well, that doesn't mean that you knew what they were going to do. That doesn't mean that they knew the play that they were going to run. And again, if there's a better throw than, than the catch that should have been made, it's irrelevant. Even if you knew they were going for two, even if you knew what play they were running, the Ravens still would have won. So I'm not really – it. I, I think I, – I don't know. It came off dickish from Mike Tomlin. It came off like he was trying to puff his chest a little bit. But I don't even think it actually tangibly is. So it didn't bother me in any way. I don't know if the Ravens were bothered by it. I don't know how they could be because I just genuinely don't know what he's actually saying when he said that. But to the point, somebody would have had to ask him about why they accepted the penalty there instead of simply declining it, converting a second and two, and trying to run out the rest of the clock without the Ravens getting the ball back. They didn't do that. So why John Harbaugh doesn't just acknowledge what happened there, I don't know. The rest of us are plenty capable of it, and we're plenty capable of giving the Ravens credit for the decision. We all have brains. We all saw what occurred there. There is no problem for us to be the ones to sit back and say, yes, of course they jumped off sides in that moment, purposefully, because they realized they didn't want the Steelers to get another first down and have the ability to run out the clock and score without the Ravens seeing the ball again. We all know exactly what happened there, and I think a lot of us knew it in the moment immediately recognized what had happened. Still doesn't fully explain why they allowed the time to tick off the clock before the two-minute warning. I'm still sort of struggling with that. Uh, other than maybe they needed a moment to collect themselves and, and make sure that they understood what they were supposed to do in that situation, but the timeout presumably would have allowed for them to have done that. It's still weird they just simply allowed 40 seconds to tick off the clock. It didn't ultimately matter because they had plenty of time to go down and score, but... Things were getting hairy there at the end. When they had to call their last time out, they were limited. They weren't able to throw the ball in the middle of the field any longer. So I, I probably would have called the timeout at second and two even if you were intending to commit the penalty because the two-minute warning would have then functioned as another timeout for you. The, the clock wouldn't have gone under two minutes. It was just a weird – that part I still don't really have an answer for, but you know, I, it doesn't – I understand to some extent why John Harbaugh can't answer the question, but it, it is a silly thing. I know a lot of people have suggested that the real reason for it is because, you know, the, the competition, they've got to keep enough, keep up enough plausible deniability to prevent the competition committee from trying to change the rule. For the competition committee to go in and say, well, we're not going to allow you to purposely jump off sides. But, I, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they do about that. I, I don't think that's a rule that can be changed. How are they supposed to tell the difference? Are they just outlawing offsides at that point? Well, what if they genuinely jump offsides? I, I I don't know how the competition committee could fix that. 
maybe um, an offsides inside two minutes is ten yards or seven instead of five. That's the only way you could do it. I mean, that wouldn't change anything about what the Ravens' strategy was in that moment. The, the, in that moment, they would still commit the penalty. But also, yeah. like again, do you sometimes teams just jump off sides? Yeah. Like, are you? You could alter the game. If a team is faced with third and nine, and the other team just jumps off sides, now you give them ten yards. Or, like, I mean, that's a dramatic, that's a dramatic a, thing to do. There's a runoff on the clock then, because there's there's runoffs on the clock for penalties inside two minutes. I think for like yeah, but a, when they when they purposely benefit the when the offense isn't set mm. and the clock is running, there's a runoff. Right. When you're not when you don't get to the line and you don't get set and you just try to snap the ball to get it off, that makes sense as to why there's a runoff associated mm-hmm. with that penalty, right? Like you you mm-hmm. attempted to jump the gun here. If there's a situation where a team isn't purposefully committing an offsides penalty, they're just trying to play defense. A team's marching down the field and they're trying to keep them out of field goal range and they just jump off sides the way they would at any other point in the game, mm-hmm. why are you penalizing them more just because it's inside two minutes? Right. I mean like the it's far rarer for a team to purposefully commit an offsides penalty than it is to just be offsides. I'm just, I, I'm just looking for solutions. I, I don't think that there's a solution. Right, is the point. I just think this is something that you're going to have to accept. There are going to be a, there are rare instances. It's extraordinarily rare. You can argue that you, you know, any time a team gets a big gain on first down and is almost certainly going to convert, that you'd be better off just committing a penalty and letting them get to the next set of downs. I guess if you're dealing with the clock. And then try to give yourself a chance to get another stop on first down. I, maybe, but I still just don't think there's anything you can do about it. I, somebody would have to present an argument for me as to what you would do about it in that situation. Nothing we can do about it now. The Ravens lost the football game. None of this really matters because the Ravens lost the game. But the question as to whether or not the NFL will try to remove this and prevent teams from being able to do it the way they've tried to, to circumvent other rules, it makes sense that you don't really want a team to just be able to run a bunch of time off the clock in the fourth quarter the way the Titans did a couple years ago without running a play. That's not good for football. There's there's no world in which it's good for a team to be able to continuously run time off the clock without actually running a play. That's that's just bad viewing. That's bad. That's not entertaining. None of that is a, a good scenario for the sport of football. It's not something that you want within the sport. This, again, with the Steelers having the option, they could have declined the penalty. And then they would just be second and two. The Ravens could try doing it again. The Steelers just decline the penalty eternally. And at some point, the Ravens would say, okay, we got to try to get a stop. That's on the opposing team. They made the decision that the scenario where they had first and goal was better for them than the second and two that they were faced with in that moment. And so because of that, I, I don't think it's outside. I don't know if it's any longer outside the spirit of competition. You're allowing the opposing team to decide what's best for them in that situation. And the Steelers decided that what was best for them was to get the first down. Worked out for them. Barely, by the skin of their teeth. But it worked out for them. So, you know, weird. Weird that John Harbaugh's got to do the bit, you know, can't talk about it in the press conference. It's just just a weird thing about football. But, you know, it's what it is. As far as last night's game was concerned, um, I know people, there are people that just love weather football, and I get it, like, when it snows and it it looks picturesque, we all enjoy that because we're children. I, I've said snow is our enemy for a long time because people, you know, die when it snows out. I, I don't feel at all that way about insane winds 
I mean, this was nuts, what we were looking at last night. When it gets to the point where it affects a team's ability to kick just something as simple as an extra point, I'd like to think that we all would say, this is insane. This is crazy. This isn't football at some point. That doesn't mean the Patriots don't deserve credit for having a dominant ground game and being able to run it effectively despite the fact the Bills knew it was coming and despite the fact that, for the most part, the Bills have a good defense. Credit to the Patriots. The Patriots went out there, enforced their will, ran the ball like nuts, only threw the ball three times all game and won a football game, won a a critical football game. That might very well be the reason why they're the number one seed in the AFC and set things up to the inevitable Brady-Belichick Super Bowl that we should all know at this point that we're getting. It's not for me. I don't enjoy it when it prevents you from being able to play football any longer. That wasn't football last night. And save me, spare me the, well, that's how they used to play football, and this is the way, you know, you, you build yourself to win these games in cold weather situations in January and running the ball. Spare me. Spare me the idea that we should be playing a different sport in December and January than we play for the rest of the season. And that that's not, these are two different, it doesn't, I'm not taking anything away from what the Patriots did, how they won, Good bully for them. And you want to say, hey, this is a smart team. This is a team that knows it's going to come down to this at the end of the season. I'm listening. I, to some extent, I'm listening. But, but, it's not for me. This brand of football does not entertain me. It's painful to watch. I don't like it personally. I know there was a lot of fighting on Twitter last night about people saying, this is why all football should be played indoors. This is why you should get rid of And then other people saying back, screw you. And it just was going on all night. I think the teams would be better served to have all football played indoors. I think sometimes we we look around and say, boy, there's a lot of empty seats at the stadium, and we just completely ignore the fact that there are people that don't want to go spend their time sitting in 20-degree weather for four hours. Count me among them. That will never be a way in my life again that I choose to spend my time. You want to do it? God bless you. I'm not knocking you. That's your call. I don't. And it's not because I'm soft. It's because I'm not an idiot. Because there's nothing fun about that. It's miserable. Now, I'll do it for my kids when they got to go play a soccer game or something like that. I'll do it when I have a personal investment, but I'm not going to choose to spend my money, significant American dollars, to be miserable for four hours. I will pass. That will no longer be your boy. We were joking, uh, Drew and I, about taking people up to the uh, the Maryland Bowl game that they're playing at Yankee Stadium. And I'm like, I I go, but I ain't going to sit outside. Not a chance. I'm not doing that. Those days are over for me. For you, that's for you. I'm, I'm not. Not everything is for me. Lots of dudes are into My Little Pony. It ain't for me. That's fine. They're allowed to be into My Little Pony. What's our number one rule? We don't kink shame. And I ain't starting today. Whatever you're into, you're into. I'm not into that. I'm into watching football. I'm into 
watching athletes compete against each other. That's what I'm into. Not compete against the elements, not compete against extreme weather. I understand that we fantasize and we get our rocks off thinking about these things that occurred in the past. It's not for me, personally. But it doesn't change the fact that the Patriots won the game. It doesn't change the fact that at the moment it's setting up for the AFC to go through New England. I've been telling you for a month that they were this team. It is certainly remarkable what Bill Belichick has done with a rookie quarterback, and they spent money wisely in the offseason. For every time we knock people about going out and just spending a bunch of money in the offseason, it's certainly paid off for the Patriots. Watching Matt Judon, it's tough, man. I know a lot of people around town kind of got rubbed the wrong way by Matt Judon and his personality, but Jesus. A guy can play football. It's tough to watch that. Uh, you know, you can't... There's nothing else you can say. It's tough to watch. It's tough to watch Matt Judon thrive in New England. And it's tough to acknowledge that they're, they have to be the betting favorite to go to the Super Bowl, despite the fact they have a rookie quarterback. They have to be. I mean, they just... That's the reality, man. They're really good. They're really good. It's just sort of what it is. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Obviously, we've been talking a lot this week about the situation at the University of Maryland. Mark Turgeon is out as head basketball coach, and they're going to need a new coach. Joining us now to talk more about all of that, of course, uh, one of our friends for a long time, ESPN college basketball analyst. It's a pleasure to welcome Jay Billis back to the program. Jay, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's so great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. For having me. Good to be with you guys, as always. Uh, Jay, I know you uh, are someone who's been a Mark Turgeon uh, a believer and someone who thinks he's a very good basketball coach. And you're not the only one. There's a lot of people that feel that way. Were you at all surprised by how this played out over the course of the last week? Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, look, I, I understand how this works. And when fan bases get down, uh, it it starts to kind of poison the atmosphere. And that's not to blame fans or anything. That's the province of a fan base. They're allowed to be upset if they want. But uh, uh, I think for Mark, as far you know, from what I know, it just became uh, too toxic Um for him, and uh, and I'm sure it was toxic for the fan base. So uh, you know, I I think uh, you know you get to a point in your life where life's too short to be miserable all the time, and I think I think there was a uh, a feeling that uh, that miserable had had creeped into life a little bit. Sure, and uh, you know it, it was going to happen at the end of the year, I believe, and uh, and I think Mark probably believed it too. Um, I'm a big. Uh, big believer in we all serve at the pleasure of our employers but uh uh you know if it's inevitable why not uh why not walk and uh, i don't like that that kind of thing happens but i sort of understand i've been saying for the last 20 years like this is pro sports right and we can we can act like this is about education all that it's not it's pro sports and this is just the latest, not even the latest, it's just one of the indications. You see what's going on in football now. 
Right, uh, right. So, so you know, the idea that it's not going to continue to happen in basketball, this is not the last time this is going to happen. It's, it's unfortunate. And for people of my age and older, um, you kind of remember where there was, when the NCAA talked about integrity, they actually knew the meaning of the word. I don't think the institutions understand that anymore or care. It's, uh, it's all bottom line business. And that's okay. Uh, as long as we're honest about it. And uh, and I think we have to start being more honest about it. Jay, I'm going to ask a question. I want you to know it's not my opinion. I'm asking it for the sake of asking it, right? Um, it, it, I know you referenced on Twitter that Mark's going to get it. If Mark wants another job, he's going to get one pretty quickly, of course. Um, it, is, does in any way it reflect on him? Like, is there anything, is there any stigma about someone walking away at this point in the season? Does that stay with him? I, my opinion is, no, I think everybody could see from a million miles away that this was an untenable situation at this point at Maryland, so I don't think it does. But do, do you think it, it impacts him anywhere when we get to the offseason and he's thinking about you know, a next job that a school says, well, what, what, what happened there? Why did it, we, we just don't see this occur where a coach leaves in December, you know? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's a fair question and a good point, but I don't think so. I think, I think people understand the way the business works. And, uh, and it was it, like, I think it was going to be over. So the fact that, that the plug got pulled a little bit early, I don't think is that big of a deal for him. My, Jay Billis is with us here on Glenn Clark radio. Jay, obviously the big story for us now is what, what's Maryland going to do. And I think this starts with a, we having to have an open conversation about where Maryland is as a program. And as I'm sure, you know, Maryland fans seem to think that they have some inherent right to be, Duke or North Carolina or a blue blood in college basketball and that anybody in the country should want this job. And I have been screaming for the last couple of days that I'm just not sure that's true. This is a program that hasn't made a Final Four in 20 years. And, you know, before Gary Williams wasn't a Final Four program either. Where, where is Maryland now as far as being a desirable job and among the top basketball programs in the country? It's a very desirable job. And it's a, I think it's a great job. Um, now, is it where does it rank on the the list of great jobs? Is it top twenty or top ten or top third? Whatever. It's a it's a big time power five job in a great league. So there will be no shortage of great candidates for the job. Um, and and I have no problem. Like it's it's the province of fans to say we should be in it every year. I mean, what what do you expect? Right. Uh, uh, everybody should believe that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, it's just a question of fair treatment along the way. I mean, Mark did a good job. You know, it was, uh, you know, you won a Big Ten championship a couple years ago. They've been to the Sweet 16 a couple times the last five years, whatever it is. So he's done a good job there. But fans are allowed to want more. I don't have any problem with that. So, so, and, and I ask that question. Look, obviously, Maryland's got to make a hire expecting that. They're not, they're not after you, right, Jay Billis? They're not, they're not coming for you, are they? I don't think they can afford me. Okay. All uh, right. That's, all right. That's probably all right. the problem. I mean, so, salaries have exploded, but yeah. not that much. All right. Realistic. I, I don't, and I think Maryland should be trying to hire a coach with a thought in mind that that's the program that they want to be. I think the con the question is relevant in the context of Maryland fans think that Nate Oates should want to leave Alabama to come to the University of Maryland because it's a basketball first school. And at the moment, I look at that and I say, I, that just doesn't seem realistic to me. I don't. I think Nate Oates has a really good job, and I don't think that Maryland would be the job that he cashes that in for. A am I? Do you think Maryland is that good that you could hire that type of coach, or is that maybe a bridge too far? Someone like that is in line, 
you know, if Syracuse needs a coach or somebody, you know, something more significant than, than Maryland's. I think Maryland's a better job than Syracuse, but, but both wow. are good. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I don't know about NATO specifically, but, uh, I would cast a wide net. Um, you know, look, all these, all these deals are backroom deals anyway. Right. So it'll be pretty quick to gauge interest of coaches that already have jobs. You know, that stuff, that stuff happens daily, frankly, uh, annually, every, every good coach. And that's why coaches use their leverage, uh, with their schools, uh, is because when it goes sour, uh, there's no fixing it. So on the front end, when you're doing well, uh, I think you have to be attuned to making a change. Um, so I, I would, I would cast a pretty wide net, uh, if Nate Oates or anybody else is a target. Uh, you'll, you'll get a yes or a no pretty quickly. And, sure. and the problem with it, it, you know, they have a lot of lead time here and that, you know, in one way can be helpful in another way, it can be really helpful at getting current coaches extensions and getting them better deals where they are. And that's, that's one of the ways coaches use leverage. Um, but, but having a, a lot of lead time, I don't think necessarily hurts. I, and by the way, I, I'm not, when I say this, Jay, I'm not suggesting they shouldn't call Nate Oates. Of course, of course you should call and get, you know, get Nate, find out, right? Like he's, he's the darling of college basketball. Why wouldn't you call and at least find out if that's the case? What, what do you think, you know, Jay, there's various opinions about whether Maryland should be looking for a young coach that can be the next guy that's here for 20 years Versus maybe bringing in someone, you know, we had your buddy Seth Greenberg on yesterday, and he was really going saying Bruce Pearl's the guy, right? Like, stabilize your program, find great success for a few years. Don't worry about finding a coach for the next 20 to 30 years. Get somebody that can come in and immediately win now. Do you think one of those two things is more important in what Maryland is looking for in a coach? No, I, I, I mean, I, I agree that the 20-year window is a little extreme. I think those days are over. Okay. I think if you look in the 10-year range, you're probably in good shape. I mean, how many coaches stay 10 years at one place anyway? Um, so it's kind of the wide net theory. You know, I would, I would go after what you want and, uh, and not worry about that stuff. You'll get a yes or a no pretty quickly. How important do you think it is uniquely for it to be someone that has connections to this area? Do you think, you know, I, we bring that up saying when they hired Mark Turgeon, he didn't really have connections to this area. Clearly, Gary Williams was the most connected person to this area that you could possibly imagine. Does that, does that really matter at a job like Maryland? No, because Bob Wade had a lot of connections to the area. That's true. You've got to get the right person. And, uh, and I don't even say right guy anymore because I, I actually think there are a lot of female candidates out there that could do great jobs at, uh, fair. in men's programs. But, um, you know, getting the right person is the key. And, it, it, uh, you know, you can go young. Uh, you know, the, the truth is when hires are made and schools call schleps like me to get a quote, you know, everybody says, oh, it's a great hire and all that stuff. Right, right. The truth is we don't really know. And you don't know how the fit's going to go. You, you have you have very little idea. Um, so I don't. You know, the truth is, I don't know. And I, you know, I don't know exactly where I'd go. I, I I know who I think some of the best coaches are, but I'm less worried about fit because uh, I, I, you know, fit is always something we say afterwards. You know, we, we always say, well, it wasn't a great fit. You know, nobody says at the beginning, not right. a great fit. Right. I mean, people said that about Mick Cronin when he took the UCLA job. It's worked it's out about, okay. It's really, <laughs> not, it's really yeah. not a great fit. Right. Dude can coach. Yeah. And so he had no ties to Los Angeles. I mean, look at him. He, you know, his alabaster skin doesn't suggest, you know, L.A. 
Um, <laughs> but but he's going to bang up good jobs. And I think you have to, to look to places like that. Like, if Cronin were available now, that would be something that I would think Maryland would have been very of interested in. Of course. But there are a lot of coaches out there like Mick that can do a great job at Maryland. Um, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm confident they'll, they'll find somebody really good. It's just a question of, of who's available and who's willing. Was there any name, like when you heard that the job was open, was there any name at all that jumped out? You know, I, I mentioned that we talked to Seth yesterday and Seth was like, dude, I thought about Bruce Pearl seconds after I heard about it. Right. Was, was there any name at all that when you heard it was available, just sort of jumped off the page? Like, man, that guy, I, I don't know if he's interested, but he'd be a hell of a fit there. I mean, there, there, there are always it always jumps to my mind when I've thought about Maryland in the past. And again, a lot of time has gone by since the last time I thought about this, but, uh, Mike Bray and Tommy Amaker, and people are going to go, Oh, you Duke guy. You mentioned the two Duke guys. Um, but I worked with both of them when I was a grad assistant at Duke and both of them are, are DC guys. And, uh, you know, Mike, I think is 62 years old now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he'd be willing to move. Um, same thing with Amaker. Both of them uh, have been where they are for a long, long time. But those those would be two names that that it, it, the it, the last time Maryland was open, those were two names I thought should be should be uh, in the mix. But but who knows? I mean, you know, there's a long way to go in this thing, and they don't have to make a decision in the short run. It, it, Kim English's name has popped up a ton, um, Jay, because you know, one, he was just here two weeks ago and beat Maryland, and then on top of that. He's young, um, and he's from the area. He's from Baltimore. He's got plenty of connections. Is that too much of a jump for someone? No. Okay. All right. Yeah, no. I mean, it's not. And, uh, and you know, Kim is a terrific young coach, uh, and I think he, he would do a great job wherever. He's doing a great job now. Um, so it, it's kind of one of those things where there's not a lot of names you could mention to me when I say, nope, wouldn't right, work. Right, right. I, I, I get that. I just don't, yeah, I just don't know. I get that. I, I just, I, in general, it feels like, you know, someone who's got one season in the A-10, is, that's not normally the direction that someone goes for hiring a major job. But I, I guess your point would be, is it the right person, right? Like, do, do you value? That's, yeah. Yeah. That's the issue. It's sort of the old, you, you know, you're trying to win the press conference or win the long term. I mean, there, how many hires have we had in the past 20 years where you go, you know, I don't know about this guy, and, and uh, it doesn't excite the fan base at first. The guy does an amazing job. I mean, it, it, it happens a lot. Is there a, is there a point? It just, we're done another minute or two here with Jay Billis on Glenn Clark Radio. Is there a point at which Maryland, obviously it did not get off to a good start with them losing to Northwestern on Sunday, but is there something that Danny Manning could do over the course of the next few months that like Maryland would have to consider that route? To, to let him be the coach moving forward? I don't know. I mean, if obviously if, uh, if things turn in the direction that everything goes really well, I mean, I think Danny's an outstanding coach. I mean, I, I got to know him. I played against him in college. And, uh, and he, you're not going to find a better human being than, than Danny Manning. Um, you know, and, and, but people look at the Wake Forest thing and say, well, he didn't do as well at, at Wake as he did at Tulsa and things like that. But, uh, but I, I think he's fantastic. Uh, so if he does really well, I can't imagine not considering that. But because yeah, it's an it's a up-close audition, um, but it, it already sounds like, you know, when, when everybody says national search and all that stuff, it sounds like you're looking elsewhere. Right. But if you've got something right there that, that goes really well, uh, certainly I would, I would consider that. All right. Before, like, can, I, can I go back to one thing? Because I think it got a, a reaction from some people. You said that you think Maryland's a better job than Syracuse. Why, why is that, Jay Billis? 
Well, it's in a it, it's in a really good league. Both are in good leagues. Um, I, I I've never felt like Syracuse was a great fit for the ACC. Okay. Um, just, just and, they're a Big and, East school, right? Like that's just the nature. Yeah, of it. it's a, yeah. It's a former Big East. I mean, I'm still struggling. You know, I'm still struggling with the Brewers and the American League. I mean, and, the, somebody know, would the, say that the about Astros, Maryland. The the Brewers in the National League. Yeah, the but, Astros in the uh, in the American. But um, when to me. Part of part of Syracuse, the the analysis there is: is it a one coach program? You know, they've had one coach there for five hundred years, and so you know, because that question was asked with UConn: is UConn a one coach program? And uh, and you know, they haven't really found a landing spot. They got the Big East now, but uh, you know, they thought they might be in the ACC, and uh, things have changed for for UConn, and things have changed a little bit for Syracuse. The area is different than it used to be. I don't know if it'll be the same draw when Bayheim leaves. Right. But, you know, who knows? He may not leave. I mean, the guy, <laughs> the guy seems like Benjamin Button right now. <laughs> it is remarkable, isn't it? Um, hey, Jay, it's great stuff, man. I appreciate it. What's, what's your schedule like this week? Where are we seeing you on ESPN? I'm, uh, I'm at the Jimmy V right now. I'm walking down the street in, in New York City to go to practice. So we got uh, Tennessee, Texas Tech tonight. Uh, followed by Syracuse, uh, Villanova. So we'll have a good good night. Obviously, two big games, and clearly, I know how much uh, the Jimmy V means to everybody at ESPN and everybody throughout the sport of college basketball for uh, what the foundation does. At Jay Billis on Twitter is how you follow him. Jay, really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us this morning, sir. Thanks so much for doing it. Happy holidays to you. Let's talk again soon. All right. You too. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jay Billis from ESPN checking in with us here on GCR. Tommy Amaker and Bray. I. I, I know that a lot of Maryland fans will kind of roll their eyes at those names, and he admitted it, that they would roll their eyes at those names. You would assume that Mike Bray would want to be at Maryland. You know, he would crawl to get to Maryland, given you know this is where he's from, this is home for him. Um, things have not the sustained success that he was having at Notre Dame has sort of kind of petered off a little bit, and so. Y- this would be a great opportunity for him to, to, to come somewhere else. And I, I just think at this point, again, because of his age and because he's not having a, a high-level success right now, I think it would be a difficult sell for the Maryland fan base. Tommy Amaker would probably be even tougher because he's never really had high-level success anywhere as a head coach. Clearly, he's done a hell of a job at, at Harvard, but it's Harvard, right? Like it's There's a limit to what you can do there. He's also, I mean... He is about as Duke as it gets, Tommy Amaker. So I don't think that that would – it would be a very difficult sell for Maryland basketball fans. But could they be the right coach, perhaps? they have, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's embarrassing to hire either of those guys. And that's part of the, the, the conversation that we're having right now. I, I, am, I am not in love with any one particular name. I'm trying to come up – Jay Billis is, is more – it seems to be more willing to listen on Nate Oates than I am. I did a hit in Kansas City. I do these regular hits with my buddy Saran Petro in Kansas City. And, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, and I said, I think this is crazy, throwing out Nate Oates' name. What, you're cashing in. you got everything going for you. At a place that has plenty of money, and you can have any job you want, and you're going to cash that in for Maryland? And Saran was like, yeah, if I'm him, I'm waiting for Jim Bayheim to retire, and I'm taking the Syracuse job. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll take the Syracuse job. Jay Billis says, well, frankly, I think Maryland's a better job than Syracuse. And maybe there's an argument for that, right? Maybe, like, the Syracuse job really is only Jim Beheim. That, you know, the next guy that gets there has got to deal with the fact that it's 
Western New York in January and February, and it's a miserable place to be, and you're trying to convince kids to come there, and Jim Beheim's gone now. So it's just not the program. It's less of a program. The coach made the program more than the program made the coach. Maybe that's true, right? Like that might be that might be realistic. I still I just I can't trust me. Nate Oates is at the top of my list of guys that I'm calling. I just think you got to get through that and then get on to the realistic part of the coaching search. And that's where I think Andy Enfield's name is very practical to me. It's where Kevin Willard's name is very practical to me. They're not necessarily going to fire people up. Ed Cooley's name is very practical to me. People aren't going to freak out about it. They're not going to say, there's not going to be a parade. We landed Kevin Cooley. Or, sorry, Ed, Kevin Cooley. I just made Kevin Willard and Ed Cooley the same person. We landed Ed Cooley. Hang the banner. But I think it's a practical hire for Maryland to be making. And might be someone who's already proven the ability to succeed at a lesser place that could succeed at a higher level. And I get it. Somebody will immediately compare that to, isn't that what you did with Mark Turgeon? Okay. So do you want to go the younger route? Is that why you're hell-bent on it being Kim English? Jay Billis says it's not too much of a jump to make because he's a good coach. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, I, I don't know. I don't know. If you missed Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley last night, they caught up with Doug DeSenses. Great conversation with an Orioles legend. You can find it right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. Check it out there. When we come back in, we'll continue to talk about this and cover some other topics from the games that are actually being played as our friend Patrick Stevens from the Washington Post will join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Hey, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing, higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For a limited time, get 50% off all style windows, bays, bows, double hung, and sliders, plus a house of windows for only $99 a month. Rising natural gas prices are affecting everyone, but new Window Nation windows can help. Get 50% off any style window and a house of windows for only only $99 a month. Call Window Nation today at 866-90NATION or go online at windownation.com. That's December only. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. 
from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here in G- on GCR. Hey, congratulations to our friend Bradley Bozeman, who was again named the Baltimore Ravens' Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee today. Very deserving. We've talked a lot over the years with uh, Bradley and Nikki about uh, what they do uh, for the community and their significance. So uh, it's, it's very deserved. Now, part of it is Bradley won last year, was the nominee last year, didn't win the award, and so... It's not surprising the Ravens would attempt again. Typically, this seems to be the way that it goes with this particular award. Someone's got to be nominated a few times, build up that reputation, and that's how they build up to maybe becoming the winner of the award. So we'll see if it plays out that way for Bradley Bozeman. Um, So this is the second year that he's been the Ravens nominee. Extraordinarily deserving, a remarkable uh, man, a remarkable family, and remarkable what they do for the community. So... um, very much deserving of that honor and uh, you can go vote and um, I think they would appreciate that a great deal I think all you got to do is retweet them or use a hashtag I don't know all the details I'm sorry uh, but maybe we'll try to check in with them and, and get those answers Hey, cold weather has arrived and that means one thing higher energy bills but the good news is that window nation is here to help for December only, get 50% off all style windows and a house of windows for only $99 a month. Call Window Nation today, 866-90NATION or windownation.com. Let's continue to talk a little Maryland basketball. Joining us now, as he does every Tuesday, he has our friend Mr. Patrick Stevens from the Washington Post at Discourse on Twitter, D1S Course. He's back with us here on the show. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm well. I can't imagine there's anything no, we really want to talk no, about. No, not much this week. I just figured we'd talk about, uh, you know, Loyola looked good against Mount St. Mary's on Saturday. That was a fun little it, game you and I got to see. It was a really fun game. And, and I think, you know, for, for, for that spot, you know, Loyola has to feel pretty good about the little winning streak it's on right yeah. now. It's taken four in a row. And, you know, Mount St. Mary's hadn't looked good the previous weekend. And against Navy, it bounced back, beat Howard on a buzzer beater. And I thought held up pretty well for the most part against Loyola until kind of fading a little bit there uh, at the very end. But you know, I think both of those teams have a chance to maybe be a little more interesting. I think Mount St. Mary's was like a third or fourth in the league type pick in the preseason, and I think they can still do that and maybe even expand on it. But, you know, you look at Loyola the way it's playing right now, and obviously when you get a situation where you have both Cam Spencer and Jalen Andrews playing as well as they did the other night, 
they have a chance to be increasingly interesting, and, and I'm curious to see what they do up at St. Bonaventure tomorrow, which might be as tough a game as they have sure. uh, on their schedule, other than that North Carolina game to start out with. All right, Patrick, well, that's about all I had for you this morning. Thank you for taking the time for us. No, of course, of course. Um, look, I, you know, we're, obviously we're talking a lot about what, what happened last Friday, and I, I, I don't know where you are. I, the timing will always surprise me, just because we don't see this. This is not something we see where coaches end up just leaving in December after doing a new deal the, the you know, months before that. But in, in that context... It happening at all can't be all that stunning given how far deep we are into this thing and how much was kind of known about there being some acrimony between the head coach and the athletic director. Well, there's certainly that, but I think the greater issue is the acrimony between the head coach and the fans. Sure, sure. I think that is a far, far greater piece of this, that you had the largest crowd of the season so far, almost 16,000, and a fair smattering of boos after that Virginia Tech game last Wednesday as, as, as Maryland leaves the floor. And, and let's face it, you know, I thought that the end game situations there was, was not good for Maryland. Uh, the shot coming out of that, that last timeout, 24-25 footer, it just, it just was, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but I think this has much more to do with knowing that this is going to get worse. I mean, I can sit here and size the situation up and say this is a team that probably isn't going to get much better. You know, I, I've I kind of reached that conclusion. I, I'd say as early as that George Mason game, that this this th- these pieces don't fit together the right way, and and you know that's a roster construction issue, and the head coach is responsible yep. for roster construction. So I'm not I'm not letting Mark Turgeon off the hook on that front, but I think that. You could see what you could see the writing on the wall, and if this was a team that was just going to slog its way to seventeen and fourteen or something like that and miss the tournament, I think we know where there's a there's a decent chance where that would have gone, and certainly you would have had increasingly sparse crowds, and the people that would have been showing up would have been showing up expressly for the opportunity to to boo the head coach or at least a fair number of them. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, I kind of get it from that perspective. That like, why why deal with this nonsense for the next three months, especially in a season that's that, that's already gone sideways and, and went even more sideways uh, on Sunday uh, in that game against Northwestern. It seems like you don't think there's much of a threat of Danny Manning doing something significant enough that he suddenly becomes a candidate to be Maryland's next basketball coach. I, I really don't see that happening. I, it, it just you look at this roster, and obviously, I think that what's the number one problem for this team? They can't shoot. Yep. Okay. Top problem beyond everything else is you can't. They can't shoot. Are, are some of these guys probably going to be a little bit better over? It's the specifically the like Eric Ayala, right? Like specifically, I, specifically Eric Ayala and Dante Scott. I right. think both of those guys will be better over the course of thirty games than they have been over nine. Um, I think that they have track records that suggest that they will be better. I, I could be wrong, but there, there's enough in the in the in the past for both of those guys that you think they'll be they'll be better over time. But you know, I, I don't I don't see you know Fats Russell was never like a high percentage outside shooter. Uh, you have you know Hakeem Hart has had a couple nice games, but is he somebody you're going to count on to shoot to shoot a bunch of threes? Uh, I, I just kind of look at this team as, as 
struggling to piece things together at the offensive end. And you look at it, 55 points, 58 points, 61 points in the last three games. It just, it, it, it's just really hard for this group to, to get things done at that end of the floor. And I, I don't know, going from a guy who was a defense-first coach in Turgeon mm-hmm. to a guy in Danny Manning who, who frankly, his Wake Forest teams were not good at the defensive end, I don't see that as a formula for getting to basically the avenue where they could potentially win games, which is just by basically trying to play games in the mid to high 50s or low 60s, which was what they did last year, quite candidly. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's all that's all very fair, and I think it's it's uh, it's a stretch to think that something like that could occur. Patrick Stevens is with us here on GCR. So with that in mind, they're going to need a coach. I've been, I've been given this same question to everybody that I've talked to about it, so I'll, I'll give you the crack at it, and I know you and I have talked about it privately. What kind of job is this now at this point? Like, wait, really, not – I know what Maryland fans think the Maryland basketball job is supposed to be. And, and to be fair, Jay Billis just spent a minute – you know, he just said to me, I think it's a better job than Syracuse would be. Um, I am – I'm really torn on this. I, I don't – in. I think I understand why people think that Maryland should be a really good job, right? Like I completely understand why um, why there is the thought that that they that this is the there is a recruiting base here and all of that stuff. But the reality says to me, in their history, they've been really good for short periods of time and not much more than that. I just I don't know that this is the type of job that someone who's got a really good job right now looks at and says, I have to have that Maryland job. Yeah, I think it's a top 20 to 25 job. And, and that's good. You'd rather, be, you'd rather be Maryland than a lot of other places. But if you're already making 3 or $4 million someplace else and, and you've got a good thing going, why would you disrupt that? It's frankly the same problem they ran into the last time. Where you're, you're like, oh, well, let's go target all these guys. And, and they already had good jobs. Right. I, mean, I, I think that, uh, I think Maryland's going to get a lot of coaches' contract extensions here in the next few Sure, months. sure. I think, I think that, is, that is absolutely in play. But, you know, I, I think of Maryland as a program that you, know, you can sit there and say, oh, well, there's this natural recruiting base. Well, yeah, there is. But, you know, in basketball, you only need to add three or four guys a year. And there's good players in a lot of different places. So, you know, it's also worth pointing out that of the eight guys that played significant minutes on Maryland's national title team 20 years ago, only two of them were local guys. And those two guys were no one's idea of highly recruited people yep. in terms of Juan Dixon and Lonnie Daxton. Mm-hmm. You had guys from Louisiana, and you had guys from New York and New Jersey Miami. and Florida. Yep. And Mi- Miami, you know, you had Ryan Randall from Duncanville, Texas. So, you know, I think, I think the idea that it has to be somebody that just comes in and packs into local recruiting, I don't think that's necessary. You need somebody that's going to be able to come in and coach some ball and get guys that can buy in and, and get pieces that fit. And if they're local, that's, that, that's, I'm sure, a bonus. But I don't think it's a, a prerequisite by any stretch of the imagination. You know, when I look at the, at, at the two people that have had extended success as Maryland's basketball coaches, Lefty Drizel, Gary Williams. You're talking about personalities that could galvanize the fan base. Mm-hmm. Personalities that people were, that, you know, in different ways, obviously. I mean, you know, Lefty Drizel, a, a salesman, you know, that, like that's essentially what he was brought in to do. 
and you immediately hear the whole UCLA of the East thing and all that. And, and, and Gary Williams, you know, with the boulder on his shoulder and basically, you know, fighting and scrapping and, and, yep. and an incredible avatar for the Maryland fan base. So I think whoever it is that's coming into this situation needs to have a personality that people are attracted to. They need to be somebody that, you know, people feel like they have a connection to in some way or another. And, you know, no knock on Mark Turgeon, but that just isn't who he is. Correct. And that's, I mean, it, there's never been that connection, even in the early days, um, you know, when Maryland was still in the ACC and he was in his first few years, it just isn't the same personality type. And if he had tried to, if he had tried to be that way, it would have been completely phony. So I'm not mocking Mark on that front. Sure, at all. sure. It's just but not who he was, right? It just, it just wasn't who he was. And personality-wise, I don't think he was ever a particularly great fit for this fan base. And I, I, that probably is part of the reason why we're sitting here in the middle of the season, and he's no longer the head coach. Just sort of reaching that conclusion himself. Probably reached that conclusion a long time ago, but reaching that conclusion with this particular team and saying that that's enough. So let me give this to you then, because it's a question that coming out of our last conversation, uh, uh, Paul just asked me, um, if, you, if you're an athletic director who knows this hire is probably going to define your time, knowing the fan base is feeling coming out of the Turgeon era, what type of coach would be your priority? Would an experience or resume of tournament success be more important or a younger upstart with that potential, that guy that could be around for, for 20 years um, I'll put that to you, Pat. What, what, what do you think they should be looking for in, in this coaching search? Well, I think, first of all, you are Maryland, so you ought to be able to get somebody with experience. You should be able to get somebody with some sort of a track record. That said, the guys with really, really good track records are probably pretty secure in, in what they have right now and probably don't want to jump into a situation where you have a fan base that wasn't happy with a guy that had made the tournament. It, it, Depending it, on how you count it sounds like you're here. subtweeting that Nate Oates is not going to be the next Maryland basketball coach. I, I mean, I don't. If I was him, I, I would right. leave Alabama for Maryland. Yep. I mean, just point blank, I wouldn't do that. I mean, you, you, you think about some of the names that have been floated, and, and, and I don't know whether these guys would take the job or not, but you start running into the same sorts of things that you had with Turgeon, which is limited March success with a guy like a Kevin Willard, who I think has done a great job at Seton Hall. Yep. And Ed Cooley, who I think has done a fabulous job at Providence and is a New England lifer, but you know hasn't been to the second weekend of the tournament. So, you know, I don't think when you're sitting there, you know, you're not Kentucky, you're not Carolina. Or, you know, obviously Carolina and Duke both have hired you know first-time head coaches uh, for moving forward. Uh, I don't think you're guaranteed being able to get somebody that has some great long track record. Maybe what you do is if you know, maybe you reach out to a John Beeline or somebody like that. I mean, that might be as good a track record as you could probably go out and find, assuming he wanted to jump back in. And, and, and obviously knowing he's not going to be a guy that's going to be here for, for 10, Correct. 12 and, years. I mean, let's, let's face it. Like, you know, if, if we sit here and, and look at the, you know, the tenure list, I don't have it up on my computer, but most of, most of these guys don't stay longer than five or six years anywhere. You know, Turgeon at even 11 years is a little bit of an exception. So I, I, I tend to think you need to, especially for a fan base that, you know, wanted to win yesterday, wanted right. to win big yesterday, I, I think, I, I don't think you're thinking about what, what the landscape's going to look like in 2027. 
I think you're thinking about what the landscape is going to look like in 2023 at this so it sounds like you're saying let me let me let me parse a couple things out of that. Uh, Patrick Stevens with us here on GCR. One, it sounds like you're saying that going the route of say a Kim English is another name that's come up a lot. Um, is not maybe where Maryland should be looking for a coach as much as and I think fondly of Kim English, of course. But it sounds like you're saying it should be someone who's got more of a track record than than say a Kim English. Correct. You know, I think it's it's going to be somebody. And I think they can get somebody that is more established, more proven. You know, it is still, like I said earlier, it's still a top 20 to 25 job. I don't know if it's as good of a job in the Big Ten as it was in the ACC. Sure. Because, you know, it feels, it's not so much that the Big Ten isn't a good league. It just feels like Maryland's a little fractured in terms of, you know, what is it? Is it a, is it a, a school that's going to be making its pay, you know, on a north-south axis and chasing right. You know, recruits in New York or in North Carolina or in Florida, or is it more you know Midwest oriented? I mean, I don't think even though they've gotten some guys out of the Midwest over the last several years, I still think of it more as being East Coast oriented. Uh, and so, you know, probably a better fit basketball wise in the ACC than it'll ever be in the Big Ten. Um, but I, I tend to think uh, that this is a job that you can go out and get somebody that has, you know, with respect to, to Kim English, who, who I think very highly of as well, and I think he's going to do a great job at George Mason, he, he could probably go hire somebody that has more than 30 games of head coaching experience once the season comes to an end. The, you know, I, I keep coming back to, you brought up two of the names, Kevin Willard and Ned Cooley, and I think that's absolutely, those are guys that are very high on my practical list, right? And I feel like I've got a practical list here. Um, Andy Enfield, by the way, is another name that's on my practical list, right? Like, I think that's a guy, a guy that you could hire. I think that's a guy that would, would have reason to want to be here and would be a pretty good hire if that were the case. The name that was thrown out to me by Seth Greenberg yesterday was one maybe closer to what you're talking about with the beeline and definitely fills the role of sort of being the anti-turgeon. He brought up Bruce Pearl, and I thought to myself, man, it, that might be exactly, right? Like, if you're going to go the route of hiring an older coach – why wouldn't it be a Bruce Pearl? Like, isn't that the guy that we're talking about that would galvanize a fan base in a heartbeat? Personality-wise, he's exactly in that group. The names that you know, somebody kind of pinned me down um, over the weekend. Like, give me three, give me a handful of names that would be the sort of guys that you would want personality-wise. And the three that I came up with were Pearl, Ed Cooley, and Steve Forbes at Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. He's a heck of a basketball mm-hmm. coach as well. Um, it's worth noting, you know, there is an NCAA paper trail there with Bruce Pearl from his time in Tennessee. Yep. You know, Auburn is dealing with NCAA issues right now, and Maryland tends to be a bit gun-shy uh, when it comes to people with, with those sorts of issues. Is there, Can I ask, and Patrick, so I, is, is it more than just the, the Aaron Kraft thing? with the Because, the, like, that one to me, I feel like any more... I, I, I'm not trying to say it's okay to break the rules. I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying it's okay to break the rules. I just think if that's what we're still talking about, it's an easier sell to say the fan base. I, 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 think the is, I think the issue at Tennessee was not so much just the craft stuff. It was, it was you know, the deceitfulness. In yeah, the fact that he lied, right, I mean, yeah. The cover-up, is, the cover-up is worse than the crime. Right. So, um, but, you know, you could forget about that that's 15, 10, 15 years ago, but you find yourself back in, you know, the crosshairs of the NCAA now. And knowing Maryland, I mean, think back even just a decade or so ago, you know, Maryland was gun-shy about the Mike Leach possibility. Right. 
You know, there was at least a little bit of baggage there. It wasn't necessarily NCAA-related, but, you know, there was obviously the, the firing at Texas Tech and all that. And, and I think Maryland is, is cautious on that front. Uh, and so that makes me wonder whether any of the guys that we're going to bring up that have um, issues with the NCAA, whether it's a Pearl, whether it's a Sean Miller, who's obviously available at the moment, uh, whether that's going to be uh, a major obstacle or just a minor hindrance. Um, and I don't know the answer to that, but I don't think you can simply dismiss the possibility that, it's, that it might not be a, an obstacle. You know, I think it could be. And yep. it, just, it remains I, to be seen, and there's obviously a lot of time for all that stuff to shake itself out. I, I did have somebody ask me if there's any advantage for Maryland to try to hire, you know, you bring up Sean Miller, or a B, somebody who's out of work now to, to not lose as much in terms of a recruiting cycle. And I, I get the point, but I, I don't think that outweighs the ability to make sure that you hire the best coach you possibly can, correct? Yeah, I, I, I think that when you start worrying about the short term, you shortchange the long term. Yeah. And if you're making this hire, maybe you're not making a hire for 10 years down the road, but you are making a hire for three or four years down the road. Um, and, you know, just because a handful of guys go someplace and instantly have success doesn't guarantee that everybody and anybody can do that. Uh, I, I don't think that you're, you worry about a single recruiting class just because, you know, just because you've got this opening now and you worry about what you're going to lose. And chances are, let's be frank, chances are next year's team is probably oh, going to have oh, a yeah. fair bit of portal additions yep. that, are, that are in the mix. Yep, no doubt. It's the transfer portal I mean, I, era. I, I, think, I think you have to be prepared for a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you sort of throwing things together and hoping that it holds up, yep. at least for the 2022-23 team. I don't disagree whatsoever. All right. Well, we'll have we'll be talking plenty more about it as we hear rumors and names come up over the course of the next couple of months. In the meantime, there is more basketball to be played. They're going to take on Florida, which I I guess doesn't look as 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 horrendous a matchup today as it looked like 24 hours ago. My word, uh, that was that what I that, I did not see that coming, sir. <laughs> For those that don't know, Texas Southern, by the way, was yeah, the yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. I talked to I talked to Johnny Jones, the Texas Southern head coach, uh, from a Blue Ribbon preview back in September, and you know, I got the sense that he felt like you know he had a team that was capable of being pretty good in that no, league. He might be right and, they, right, and they've been one of the best teams in that league consistently here for the last, I'd say, eight or nine years, going back to Mike Davis's time there. So, you know, that's a team that has played a ton of high-end road games over the years. And so them going into a place like Gainesville or, you know, pick, pick a place. I mean, that, play, that school has, that program has been everywhere. Um, they're not intimidated, and they've got plenty of capable players. I feel like they've got a couple of former Georgetown guys in that, on that roster. Uh, you know, there's, they, they have a fair number of guys that they've picked up um, from high-major places, and they're a pretty good team. So... You know that said, did you, but, yeah, you certainly and, don't and, expect Florida to get right. you know drubbed like that at home. And and we hadn't seen it yet, obviously, from a Texas Southern team that hadn't won a game um, and, and playing a brutal schedule. Let's make that very. It's not like they were mm-hmm. losing to to you know scrubs. They were playing a very difficult schedule. Um, but then, boy, they went down and they beat Florida handily last night, sixty nine fifty four. 
All right. Um, we'll have plenty of time to talk more about the uh, area teams. Let's get to our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams this particular player has played for? Uh, I, I admit the guys that have played for a lot of teams, they are getting tricky and tricky and tricky and tricky. I do have a four-time All-Star for you, um, but it's seven teams, and it's a closer, so it makes it tough. He, once, he, he three times, I did not know this, three times in his career, this man finished in the top 20 of MVP voting. Seven teams for Jeff Reardon. Jeff Reardon, huh? Yes. All right. So Jeff Reardon was definitely a Montreal. Most guy. certainly for six seasons. The, the longest. He was a Minnesota twin for sure. For three seasons. He was a Boston Red Sox. For three seasons. I believe he was a Met at the beginning. For three seasons, the beginning of his career. So you've gotten all the multi-year stops for Jeff Reardon. This is the part where it gets tricky. Uh, the end, three one-season stops to wrap up his career. Three one-season stops for Jeff Reardon. So we're talking at this point something like 93, 94, 95. It's 92, 93, 94, correct. Uh, and, and the first one was a split season. He started 92 in Boston, and then he got traded elsewhere. And then 93 and 94 were standalone appearances. Did he end up in St. Louis for a Not St. Louis, no. Okay. You're sniffing. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to screw you up. Oh, he was in Kansas City. Was no, it wasn't. Oh man, I knew. I knew that I, when I said that it was going to screw you up. No, it wasn't Kansas City. I'm sorry, Patrick. I didn't mean to and do that. Cincinnati was he That's in That's the one. That's what I was trying to get you to go in the division. Cincinnati, correct, was uh, one. So five out of seven on uh, Jeff Reardon. Which, by the way, was he in Atlanta? Maybe that a hundred percent. That's where he was okay. traded in '92 from Boston to Atlanta. So I'm gonna, I'll give you a half point for that one. The last stop. Maybe one that you would have just guessed eventually, the Yankees. That was the last the stop Yankees. for Jeff Reardon in 1994 because, of course, it was. So you did pretty well on that one, so I don't have to just give you a layup on a four-team guy. Um, but I think you'll do I think you'll do fairly well on this one. Again, we, I, I try to give Patrick a five-team or more and then a four-team guy, but I am running low on five-team guys that are even remotely relevant. This player, a three-time All-Star, a five-time Gold Glove Award winner, and a two-time Silver Slugger winner, Four teams for Andy Van Slyke. Andy Van Slyke, St. Louis. Yep. Pittsburgh. Of course. Baltimore. Yep. And am I remembering him as a Philly? You most certainly, after it didn't go well in Baltimore, then 1995, they uh, parted ways and he went to Philadelphia to finish up the 1995 season. That is correct. Well done, sir. Patrick, what's your uh, schedule got for you this week? I'll be heading over to Fairfax tonight. Uh, George Mason and Navy. In uh, you know, it's funny. George, you were talking about George Mason a little bit earlier. They haven't won since they beat Maryland. Yeah, they that is that is certainly an interesting part of the Kim English conversation, isn't it? It, it? it is, unfortunately, for 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 him and the Patriots. And so, you know, Navy, a good defensive team. I think that's going to be a good game. And then tomorrow, you know, upset alert: UNBC ah. down. To uh, Georgetown. You've been saying for some um, time you think they've got a chance to win this game. I very much think they have a chance to win this game, and you know, UNBC has been playing pretty well overall. Didn't think they got tripped up by Delaware the other day, um, but a, a good UNBC team that can hit threes, and Georgetown isn't exactly a defensive dynamo, so that's what's on the horizon for, for the rest of the, at least the weekdays this week, those two games the next two nights. All right. Patrick Stevens at Discourse, D1S Course, is how you follow him on Twitter. Sir, appreciate you as always. We will talk to you next Wednesday. Have yourself a great week, all right? Awesome, Glenn. Take care. Patrick Stevens checking in with us here on GCR. Always appreciate him doing that. 
Um, I, you got to fix something. You, you, were, you were still sort of giving some of Patrick's quotes to Jay Billis during the course of that. <laughs> I get it. We're doing a lot of college basketball this morning, and things sort of run together. These things occur. But um, like the the one about the paper trail from uh, Bruce Pearl, that's uh, that was Patrick. That wasn't Jay Billis. Um, and that's, I just want to make sure. I don't want to have Jay Billis call us later and say, uh, "Hey, man, I didn't say that." A hundred percent. And it's, it, these things happen. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at Paul. He's doing a lot of things. Doing a lot of things. We just got to get him corrected. All right. Uh, today's show brought to you as well on a Tuesday edition of the program by Underdog Fantasy Football. You're not playing underdog. I don't know what you're doing. I really don't. It's crazy. Underdog fantasy football is so much fun. And even when, and we think it's coming, I know Rick Ritter finally was like the first one to say that there is a belief. We have been operating under the impression, it's not something that I've been able to talk about, but now that Rick Ritter said it, I'll go ahead and tell you. Um, My understanding is that you will be able to bet inside at least one Maryland casino coming this Friday. It's what I can tell you. I know that there is a casino that is operating with the plans being that you will be able to bet there this Friday. I cannot guarantee anything beyond that. It might be that all of the casinos are operating as though you will be able to bet there coming this Friday. I just don't know that. I do know for sure that one area casino is operating as though you will be able to bet there in person coming this Friday as was reported last night by Rick Ritter from WJZ. What does that mean? It means you'll be able to do that. That'll be a lot of fun. Get down there, spend some time, hang out, wherever it is, or all of them. What it doesn't mean is that you'll be able to bet on your phone. And I've been telling you that for some time. It's going to be a while before you will be able to bet on your phone. I mean, a while before that's the case. And that's frustrating, and I get it, and why they wouldn't have launched that. It's a whole different conversation. But underdog fantasy football makes you feel like you're betting on your phone because you can play player props, parlays, all of those sorts of things. Download the underdog app. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the code PRESSBOX. When you do, deposit up to $100, and we'll match it with free money for you to play with. Underdog fantasy football. I cannot tell you how much fun it is to be playing underdog this season. Uh, We'll come back in. I need to talk a little bit more about the coat drive, and we'll follow up on some of the things that we just discussed in the last hour regarding the Maryland coaching search. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday, like $6.99 burgers on Mondays and $5.99 nachos on Thursdays. And watch football on their big screens every Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. Dine in and let us serve you, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com. And take it home. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality pro via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. 
I've driven my tractor trailer millions of miles and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember, because of the sheer weight and size of my truck, I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and brake suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Day. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser show. The next Taz Bowser show is Tuesday, December 7th at the Bowman on Hartford Road in Parkville. It's brought to you by Press box great eights memorabilia as well as window depot baltimore window depot baltimore.com duffy's garage in baldwin duffy's garage md.com and the nfl chick sarita hubbard joins us courtesy of my bookie we can't imagine why you'd want to but you can watch gcr live it's at facebook.com slash sports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on gcr on a tuesday edition of the program Today's show is also brought to you by, oh, this one's brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is still available for another week or so. You can pick it up at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, or read it all at PressboxOnline.com, Pressbox print issue, which is now available. All right, so let's deal with a couple of things here. One, uh, I need you, I desperately need you to get your coats and clothes to us. And I've got details up. I have pinned them on at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. That is the pinned tweet is a link to uh, drop-off boxes, which are all over town. Jerry's Toyota, Jerry's Chevrolet, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Uptown Cheapskate in Bel Air, Glory Days Grill in Towson, right here downstairs in the Meadow Mill building in Hamden. They're all of, They're all over town. And I've said to you before, all I need you to do, just snap a picture. That's all I need you to do. Just go drop off some clothes. And when you do, by the way, we need everything. Coats, clothes, jackets, sweaters, hats, anything at all. Say, what about some baby stuff? My baby doesn't need it anymore. Yes, they need that. These, These folks have kids that they need to take care of as well while they're trying to get themselves up and, and, and pick their lives up and put themselves back together? The answer is always yes. Men's, women's, children's, kids. The only thing the answer is no to is the stuff that you know you shouldn't be donating. The stuff that should just be thrown away. And, and we're all intelligent people. You know the difference. If something should just be throw it away, thrown away, throw it away. But anything else, go through your closet. I'm in the process of doing it myself right now going through my closet, the kids' closets, seeing what it is that we don't need. I know a lot of you um, say, you know, I, I typically will go drop off clothes at, um, say, a Goodwill. And, I, you know, I get that. 
donations are always you know accepted and it's a it's a way that you can feel good about something and i'm not trying to tell you to don't not do that ever i'm saying that right now consider not doing that because this is a little bit more direct these are people that are in immediate need that we have the opportunity to take care of i thanks to our partnership with great eights memorabilia I am offering for you a 16 by 20 autographed canvas of J.K. Dobbins. One of you who drops off clothes is going to win it. All you got to do when you drop off the clothes, take a picture, tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio, email me, Glenn at, or Glenn Clark Radio at gmail.com. It's the best way to do it. Show me the clothes you're dropping off at any of those area locations, and you'll be registered to win. We'll pull someone's name at random. They'll win this 16 by 20 autographed J.K. Dobbins canvas. Please. Now, those of you that are asking about events, yes is the answer. I just, I'm sorry. I wish I could give you more firm details. These are coming together very last minute, as they tend to do with the coat drive. Next week, we're going to be hanging out probably two different things that we're going to be doing that you'll be able to bring your coats and clothes to. I, I know you guys keep asking me. I'm, I'm sorry I can't give you more firm details. If you are at all worried that you wouldn't be available, please just go stop by one of these drop-off boxes. They're all over town. GlennClarkRadio.com or go at GlennClarkRadio on Twitter. If you forget at some point where they are, just go at GlennClarkRadio on Twitter. There's a pinned tweet right there. You'll be able to find the list. They're all over town. Please stop in and make your donations. Please, I'm begging you. We need them to help us help helping up mission downtown. I'm adding one more layer to it. We are again going to host a bull pick'em contest this year. Brian Powell has already set it up. You guys have gotten in. We filled these spots, but we're going to peel off a hundred dollars to throw into the uh, the tab. We've, you guys already raised two thousand. We're going to raise another hundred. Twenty-five dollar buy-in for our bull pick'em. I want to fill 20 spots. If we fill more, bully. But I want to fill 20. And what that would mean is that the winner would get 400 bucks, And then we'd take the other 100 and we'd donate it to um, get some more stuff for the folks at Helping Up Mission. If you want to get in, all you got to do, DM me or tweet me at Glenn Clark Radio. I'll give you the details. It'll be the same pen, PayPal, the same Venmo, the Cash App that we did in the past. But just to make it easy... Just tweet me at Glenn Clark Radio or email me glennclarkradio at gmail.com and I'll get you the details and get you into our bowl pick'em contest. All right? $400 for the winner. You're just picking the games. Nobody, I assure you, we have no sharks involved with this. You're just picking winners. Whoever wins, and we'll throw in a tiebreaker, obviously. Whoever wins, it's like doing an NCAA tournament pool. Whoever wins gets the cash, but $100 will be taken out and donated to um, what we're doing for the folks at the Helping Up Mission. So let me know if you want in on that uh, ASAP, because I, normally we don't have much of a problem filling up our uh, bull pick'em contests. Now, all that being said, I want to touch briefly, and I, I, I said we were going to get back into the Maryland stuff. We talked a lot about it. We can pause for a second. I do want to touch briefly on the Rashad Bateman stuff from yesterday. Um, I think that there was a... I, I don't know why anyone does anything on Instagram. I want to make that very clear. I have no clue. I have no idea why Rashad Bateman would pull Raven's stuff off his Instagram. 
it is interesting that that news, if you want to call it that news, was accompanied by the story yesterday that he had switched representation. And his previous agent was a connection related through the University of Minnesota. Now he's gone with Athletes First, which is a, a boutique and a mega sports agency um, in California that represents a ton of Ravens players, including, if I remember correctly, Adafi Owe, who was the other first-round pick from this year. So is it possible that his agency said, hey, man, we, we don't like it when um, you know, you're know you on there just talking about the team. We might need to negotiate, negotiate at some point. So you're, you're a football player. You're not an employee of a, of a team. I, I don't know. I don't have any clue. I have no idea. And by the way, clearly – there was whatever happened made enough hubbub that Rashad Bateman quickly threw up a picture of him, you know, in a Ravens jersey, and it, it was a really weird bit. My gut tells me we overreact to all of these things. We we are desperately looking for some sort of drama. There's no actual drama. We just want it to be that way because we're bored. That's typically the way these things work. Do I think that Rashad Bateman? like all wide receivers in the history of football, wants the ball more? Yes. Name any wide receiver in the history of the sport that didn't want to have the ball thrown his way more. One. Name one of them. I'm waiting. Let me know when you come up with the one wide receiver in football history that has ever been like, I don't really want to have the ball thrown my way. It's just not, I'm not really into that. I I, 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 I don't like that so much. It's not what I want to do. I guarantee Rashad Bateman wants to have the ball thrown his way more often. Now, I don't know about any of the other circumstances. I don't know if there's a... If Rashad Bateman admitted to me months ago, blocking is not really my thing, which we thought was concerning at the time because we thought the Ravens were again going to try to be a dominant run offense this year and... You know, you're going to need to be able to block. I mean, you got that size. You'd like to think that blocking would probably be something they would focus on a bit more. So is there an issue related to that that has become a problem for the Baltimore Ravens? They have never mixed words. You've got to be someone who understands your blocking assignments, and if you're not, we're not putting you on the field. You're going to get somebody killed. And you guys can disagree with that. You guys can say that's not somebody's strength. Figure out to use them what their strength is. I understand that. There is room for dis- discussion and debate. But the Ravens have never mixed words about it. You don't understand your blocking assignments. You're not going to play. Period. I can't tell you that's what's going on here. I don't know. I, I just don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I get that. We all saw the same things from Rashad Bateman. We all saw the talent. We all, I think the world of him. So I can't tell you exactly what the story is related to Rashad Bateman and why his snaps have been cut back and why they haven't been... I I can't tell you. But to try to draw between that and Instagram, oh, clearly he's unhappy or he's a malcontent or he's trying to get out of Baltimore. He's been here for like five games. Things are going to demand a trade? That's We're just doing that to try to create drama that doesn't exist. Not at the moment. Does I can't guarantee it won't happen at some point. But at the moment, there's no reason. We're just getting worked up for the sake of getting worked up because it's a Monday and there's no football. We've got to wait six days before there's another football game. So we need anything to get worked up about. It's Tuesday. Yesterday. When it, when it was, was happening, it was uh, a Monday. Okay. Yes. okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I, look, man. You know, I... 
I, I, it's, it's frustrating to me too, but it's it's not as frustrating. That That's a smaller problem. The quarterback playing better is the problem. That's the thing that's got to be fixed. The quarterback plays better, and yeah, we'll talk about Rashad Bateman. I don't care who's on the field. The quarterback's got to play better. That's the Ravens' problem. This is secondary, not nothing. It's weird. It's nonsensical, but it's not the biggest problem facing the Ravens. That's the quarterback. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Loop service center. Ask for Mobile One. We'll come back in. We will chat more about the Ravens, about Lamar Jackson's struggles, and maybe even about Rashad Bateman with Mike Gold Jr. from ESPN. That's next. GCR. Hey, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing, higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For a limited time, get 50% off all style windows, bays, bows, double hung, and sliders, plus a house of windows for only $99 a month. Rising natural gas prices are affecting everyone, but new Window Nation windows can help. Get 50% off any style window and a house of windows for only only $99 a month. Call Window Nation today at 866-90NATION or go online at windownation.com. That's December only. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. That first sip. That first bite. Start off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com I love driving my tractor trailer, and just like you, I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck, I can't see you, and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly, our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly, can you? Don't tailgate trucks. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles' pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You've got questions. They've got answers. Sure, I mean, we'll go with that. It's Glenn and Paul on Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. Again, tonight, the Tyus Bowser Show returns. will be at the Bowman on Harford Road in Parkville. 
Looking forward to seeing you out there, Tyus, and a special guest. Need you to bring your new unwrapped toys to help out Great Eights memorabilia. If you're looking to bring out coats, clothes, tonight would be a good time to do that as well. I'll be there. I'm happy to take them from you while I'm there. If you're saying to yourself, I'm not sure I'll be able to get out to a drop-off box, what, tonight's a great night to do it. And while you're there, you can meet Tyus Bowser and his special guest. Seems like a win-win situation to me. It's all brought to you by Pressbox, Great Eights memorabilia, my bookie, Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, as well as Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com. Again, the Tyus Bowser Show tonight at the Bowman, Harford Road in Parkville. It starts 7 o'clock. I'd get there a little bit earlier if I were you. Uh, remember the last time we did a show at the Bowman, it was pretty packed pretty early on. So if you want to guarantee a spot, I would get there fairly early tonight um, for the Tyus Bowser Show at the Bowman on Harford Road. Let's talk some more Ravens. Um, I was watching Debatable yesterday, and uh, the, this man and uh, Pablo Torre and I'm trying to remember, I think it might have been uh, Charles Anderson, Mr. Four Verts himself, Baltimore's own, were talking about what's going on with Lamar Jackson. And it's something that we're trying to figure out what's going on with Lamar Jackson because it, it's a mess, and it's been a mess for a month. And is he trying to do too much? Is he trying to be Superman? Let's discuss it more. You know this man, of course, uh, not only from his own football career, but more recently, analyst on ESPN, host on ESPN, and ESPN Radio. He's our friend Mike Golick Jr. He's back with us now here on GCR. Mike, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, sir. Thank you for taking the time for us, as always. No, appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Uh, you know, you guys are talking about this idea of Lamar trying to be Superman, and I... I it's interesting to me, Mike, because I, you know, some people have used the word selfish, and I've, I've, I, you know, in context of he's a guy that's going for a contract, and dinking and dunking and taking what's underneath isn't good for someone who's trying to put up massive numbers and get four hundred million dollars. But it really feels like right now there's a disconnect between what's best for the Ravens and maybe what might best be for Lamar Jackson. Which is these teams aren't they're not going away from zero coverage. They see it's working. Like they have him flustered, but the plays appear to be there to be made underneath if he was willing to take them. Yeah, but like I, I always say in these situations you gotta look at how the foundation of the house is built and let's go all the way back to the beginning of the season, right? The foundation of this team was always the rushing attack led by Lamar Jackson. Well, you had that foundation cracked with a lot of early injuries, an unbelievable amount of early injuries in the running back room. So some of the continuity already lost. The injuries along the offensive line speak to all of that. Then let's go to the next level of this. The number one charge after last season was, all right, there needs to be more development in the passing game. The passing game coordinator needs to upgrade the way we are doing things here. Well, that certainly didn't happen. One, and then the way you tried to upgrade that position, Rashad Bateman, your top overall pick in the draft, not available to you during those foundational times tons of drops by Hollywood Brown and company early in the season and football players it football's complex but it's simple right if things don't work early it's hard to go back to them late like in a game I always knew we were going to get one designer blitz from the defense that we face as an offensive line and if we shut that down the first time or two yeah we wouldn't see it again for the rest of the game and so now for Lamar Jackson while they were trying to build the foundation of this offense during the beginning of the season he was not getting help from a lot of the receivers no on that offense. He didn't have a lot of other people to rely on, and so now it's hard to trust, and you clearly see that. It's, to me, an issue of he does not have trust in critical situations of the people around him, and play-calling-wise, the only things they have trust in are 
Lamar Jackson runs and passes to Mark Andrews when the going gets tough. So to me, it's just the foundation of the house got built wrong. Some of it was for reasons that were really out of control here. Uh, Mike, I understand what you're saying. I, let, let, me, let me follow it up with two things. One, I, I don't know that it's the end of the world that you're calling Lamar Jackson design runs. In fact, I thought that was maybe one of this team's problems at one point. Is they they seem to completely get away from Lamar Jackson design runs. He he's one of one as a as a quarterback running the ball. He's a he's a threat unlike anything we've ever seen before. I don't know why it's a problem to want Lamar Jackson to run the ball because we've got all the da- the, the stuff about you know well, that puts you at risk of getting hurt. We got all the data. It, there is no greater risk to a quarterback getting hurt running the football than there is standing in the pocket taking hits that aren't expected. And he's taking an ungodly number of sacks right now. He is, which again comes down to the lack of trust because now when he's not trusting the things that are there underneath, he has been conditioned through the first half. Because remember, the first half of the season when myself and a lot of others. That Lamar Jackson has to be your MVP based on right, what but... he's overcome for this team. He got used to having to play that brand of football and trusting, hey, I am going to be able to make this play at the beginning of the season because of, I have to, and now because that's what I know over the course of this season. So, yeah, I mean, the Lamar Jackson design rushing attempts are always going to be an asset. But in the NFL, I mean, defensive coordinators are too good, and eventually if you can only do one or two things really well, even if you're doing it with an ungodly athlete, right. you're going to find ways to mitigate it to some extent. I, I mean, I, I, I get that. and I'm not. I, you're 100% right about that, and clearly the teams have been more willing to put faster players on the field and you know, tr- try to mitigate that in some way. So, so let me go back to this. Are, are, I am, I, you're 100% right. Mark Andrews, they have zeroed in. There has been this zeroing in on Mark Andrews from Lamar Jackson. He's going there, you know, time after time after time after time. But I, I, I still come back to, it, like, there have been plenty of times where there's been someone open in the flat. There has been someone open underneath for him to check the ball down to on some of these plays where he's instead trying to force it to Lamar Jackson. Is that definitely a trust thing, or is it more of a, I just don't want to be the guy that dinks and dunks, that that's, that's not what I'm, I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm an MVP quarterback, that's not, and I know somebody would say, hey, that's what Tom Brady, you know, made a career out of, and we call him the greatest quarterback of all time, but I, I don't know, it just feels like there have been opportunities there, and I don't know if it's a trust thing as much of it's just a quarterback who doesn't want to do that, well, or just who hasn't been used to having to do that either, because fair, I think there's fair. an element to all of this, like, we've kind of seen that reckoning come for a lot of the young, really talented quarterbacks. Like, we've had this entire discourse about Patrick Mahomes, who many would argue has been the best quarterback in the league the last few years. And the entire dialogue this season has been, now that defenses have committed to not letting them hit home run plays by playing back off, can he be patient enough to go underneath? I think we've seen a very similar thing happen with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And so it looks different for Lamar and company because, as you mentioned, it's not you know two safeties, everyone playing back. It's them getting up in their grill and going zero against him. But it's still the same principle of you came into this league and raised holy hell by making big plays, and now that they're taking that away – there's been an adjustment period, I think, for all of these guys that I think is natural. It's not to excuse Lamar because, listen, he played badly this weekend. Like, we right. can say that very frankly. Right. Lamar Jackson didn't play well. He needs to do all of these things better. As I just sit here now and try and figure out, all right, where does this come from? That's about the best I can come up with because it has not been good enough lately. And until Lamar decides to add that part to his game to take what's there and start hitting some of these open guys, we're going to get more of what we've seen, which is you know a league-leading number of sacks. 
some of which you know he'll get you out of, but others of which he's going to put you in a compromised position yep. as a pass pressure protector because he's trying to. Keep well, he's up. running around. He's running backwards. You know, he's just he's just flatly running backwards with nothing good that's going to happen on those plays, and 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 not being willing to throw the ball away. He's Mike Golick Jr. He's with us here on GCR. I say all these things as someone who thinks the world of Lamar Jackson, right? Like I don't make that very clear. All of this criticism comes as I I think the world of Lamar Jackson, and I don't think that this one month defines him, Mike, but I do think that this has to be an alarming thing. The the idea that all that's being shown is a cover zero, because it's not as if the, the the personnel has changed greatly over the course of the last... In fact, you would argue they got Rashad Bateman back, they got Nick Boyle back. The personnel is better now for the Baltimore Ravens off you know, as far as weapons are concerned than it was six weeks ago when Lamar Jackson was an MVP caliber quarterback. I, I think that you have to be alarmed as a franchise, as a fan base, about someone that we think so highly of as a player being so befuddled by this cover zero stuff and and even when you say, hey, but you know, the offensive line's not great in front of him, I don't know, man. Like it, it's not drastically different than it was six weeks ago. It's not at the same thing. I don't really think there is a reason to sound the alarm, right? Like this dude's hyper talented. He's gonna figure it out. Like right. this guy has already got an MVP on his mantle. He's get, like it's gonna take some time. I mean, hell, it took Tom Bleeping Brady time to figure things out in Tampa last year. Like there were rough stretches for the greatest quarterback of all time going into a new team. Now, a new team is a lot different than changing the parts around you. Baltimore has certainly still been Lamar's home this entire time, but there's been enough changes around there, I would argue, that there was going to be a transition, especially if people are going to play you as different as they have. So the NFL is about making those adjustments a lot quicker, like everyone always does the quip. In high school, you adjust next week. In college, you adjust the next you know, the next half. In the NFL, you adjust the next drive. Like that's what's expected at this level. But I'm also not going to say that I think this is some like long term thing that's really going to be an issue and that should be any sort of reckoning on how we treat Lamar with the franchise going forward. He's going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. But it's got to be something that he dedicates himself to figuring out now. And based on his track record, I believe he'll do that. Mike, are you at all, you know, and I say worried, you clearly, you know, you have no reason to be concerned about the Baltimore Ravens. But if you were, you know, if someone who was, would you be at all worried that at some point, we had, we had Marlon Humphrey's name to the list now, after all of these other things that the Ravens have been through this season. It's now three quarters of their starting secondary coming into the year that's missing. The, you know, the running backs, their offensive line's been, you know, the Ronnie Stanley, and they've just been making it work, patchwork. At, at any point, does it just become maybe too much? That, it, it, you know, it's it's ridiculous that they're even 8-4 and four through all the things they've already been through. I mean, it's it's remarkable that they've been able to win as many games as they have, given everything that they put up with. In a lot of ways, it's a testament to the way Lamar Jackson was playing. But it, at some point, can there just be a final a straw that breaks the camel's back where a team, as much as you want to say next man up and... You know, it's so-and-so's turn, and you believe in your depth, and you think you put good players out there. Is there a point at which you say, this is insane, the thought that a team can continue to overcome such significant issues when it comes to injuries? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's been insane for a while. Like, yeah. that was, you know, the, the icing on the cake with what, with what happened with him. And especially on a defense, I mean, hell, we know how Wink likes to live, like, we know what that defense requires of the guys on the back end. So when you lose your best piece and really one of your last remaining pieces there, yeah, I mean, this has been untenable for a long time. It's the reason that at the midway point, when we all you know do the midway point of the season awards, 
Lamar Jackson would have been my MVP, and I said John Harbaugh would have had a strong case for coach of the year at that point based on what they've been able to cobble together. And again, like this is coming off a game where they still put them in position to win. They still had the right two-point play call and right. I thought the right decision to go for it. Right. If they win this game, you know, we're, we're not addressing these issues as directly the way that happens when you're coming off of a win. But, yeah, no, this is, this is untenable. Like, I... I I wouldn't be able to put faith in the Ravens going forward. Like, even if they are a playoff team and end up that way, they're not going to win anything of value at that point just because the middle of this roster is too hollowed out. The end of the year is almost always in the NFL dictated by health and availability. And if you lack quality depth when you go up against top-end opponents, uh, especially as the weather gets colder, that, that's just going to be too much for anyone to bear, and certainly for Baltimore. So, so we're just inevitably. We're, I mean, like we're getting Brady versus Belichick in the Super Bowl, aren't we? Like, we, we, there's nothing. I'm, I'm not trying to say the league is rigged, Mike. I don't want to make that very clear, but it's just there's nothing we can do at this point. It, it's 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 what's happening, and we all just have to accept it, don't we? Oh yeah, listen, we're watching this play out in college too. We thought we were going to get all this fun right. stuff, and yeah. they've been sitting at the top of yeah, the pile right. again. Yeah. Like, Somewhere along the line, him and Bill Belichick made their deal with the devil, and they get to dominate in perpetuity. I don't have the answers for it. I don't have the reason for it. But it is remarkable, too, for Belichick the way we're seeing it transpire. Because in the last few years, we've talked so much about, you know, the analytical revolution in football, what a passing league that this has become, 11 personnel, bombs away down the field. And we're watching Bill Belichick go out there and dominate with the most conservative brand of football possible. Take a rookie quarterback, don't let him screw up the game, and win with a bunch of glass eaters on offense and a wood chipper for a defense. Yep. And it works again, and it's being rewarded again. And part of me is sad from that, but part of me also appreciates as a former alignment that they've just decided, we're going to go out here and physically beat people up because this is still football. I get the tip your cap part of it, right? Like, I mean, just, I tip my cap too. It's it's amazing. It really is amazing, but it is also soul crushing. Like, it is both <laughs> of those things. And I know that they're like for the NFL, they are doing roundhouse kicks right now in the offices, thinking about how glorious it will be to spend two weeks in Los Angeles with the entire world talking about a Brady Belichick Super Bowl. But my God, here in Baltimore, it's just, oh, it's like it's going to rain every day. When we have to, that's what we're going to have to talk about for a couple of weeks. Uh, Mike, uh, yeah. obviously the show, what, what, what else can we plug for you, man? What, what, what's on the docket for you? Are you, are you working any more games? Like, I, I know college football season's largely over, but do you have bowl games coming up? What can we plug for you? Yeah, we do. Uh, well, uh, this, week, uh, this week coming up, I will be in Fargo, North Dakota, East Tennessee oh, cool. State University taking on the Bison in the Fargo Dome. So looking forward to that one as the FCS playoffs get going. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I'll be on Debatable every Monday, hanging out there, and, uh, yeah, at Michael Wood Jr. on Twitter. All good places. Chris Canty, one of my favorite people, by the way, on the planet. I love that guy. Tell him I said hello if you don't mind. He's been he's been no, so good. Was, was, he was like a gem of a human to be around in Baltimore when he was here at the end of his career. At Michael Jr. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say enough good things about that dude, bro. Uh, Mike, appreciate no, you, man. Thank you for taking the time Thank for you. us. Appreciate it. Mike Gold Jr. checking in with us here on GCR. I get what he's saying about the lack of trust. I get it. I... There, as I said, there, it's the personnel has not changed much from before the Miami game. And again, if anything, it's changed for the better. Because you got Nick Boyle back. Now, I get it. You know, Nick Boyle is still dealing with issues. But, like, you got him back. And it, it, it wasn't better. 
Rashad Bateman had more time in the system, right? Like he, I, the trust thing, specifically for the last four weeks. Now, if you want to say, I have brought up the idea that this was always going to be the case, that at some point it was going to catch up to you that you couldn't run the football. And when you can't run the football, it just makes defenses' lives easier. But it being this specific to being cover zero is the part that's that's flummoxing. And when we talk about the bigger picture elements of this, like the does it impact what the Ravens do as far as a contract for Lamar Jackson? If it looks like this the rest of the season, it probably does. And I'm not trying to be over dramatic about that. I'm not trying to say that the Ravens wouldn't want to keep Lamar Jackson around. But 100%, if Lamar is, is saying, you've got to pay me the richest contract more than Patrick Mahomes, the Ravens, if he looks like this the rest of the year, are going to say, we're not doing that, man. How could they? And it's not because they don't believe in Lamar. And it's not because they don't think things will be better. But because... It's a tough thing to reward someone who was so panicked by this one defensive look. I agree with Mike Golick. I think Lamar is way too talented and way too hard of a worker for him, for this to crush him as a quarterback. I think it's crazy that people are even throwing that out there, that like that. The NFL has figured out Lamar Jackson. Well, the NFL has figured something out about Lamar Jackson, but it's a chess match. And what are you going to do next as a football player? I I keep coming back to the plays are there to be made. They're there. It just doesn't appear to be the play that Lamar wants to make. A lot of people have brought up he doesn't want to throw the ball to his left. He's constantly looking to his right. That's a problem. I mean, I, again, we need more data. It just can't be anecdotal. It can't be I'm watching the game and I'm seeing that. We need more data to work with there. But if that's the case, it's something that he's going to have to go into the lab and and solve moving forward. I believe Lamar Jackson will figure things out to whatever extent they can be figured out. I don't think this will doom Lamar Jackson as a football player. But it's concerning as hell. How can it be anything other than concerning as hell? And could be ultimately the reason why he ends up playing in the fifth year of his deal. The Ravens still have the leverage with Lamar Jackson. If this continues like this, they could absolutely say, Lamar, we're not giving you the Mahomes deal. Here's the number. If you want to sign up for it, sign up for it. And if you're holding out specifically for the Mahomes deal, we're just not doing it right now. And all the parties can go back together and say, all right, but come back, play a fifth year. At which point, either Lamar is going to play so well and show that he adjusted, and then he'll get that Mahomes deal, or the Ravens have the option to say, we're going to franchise tag you at the end of the year. They still have the leverage with Lamar Jackson. And I'm not saying that you want to operate that way. You don't want to create an acrimonious relationship with your quarterback. But they don't have to give him the Mahomes money. They don't have to. They were trending there. You asked me six weeks ago, that was happening. 100%. We were getting to the end of the year on the path that Lamar Jackson was on, and he was getting a Patrick Mahomes contract. Maybe not 10 years, but whatever, the money. He was getting whatever money he wanted. Today, 
I don't know. And I know we're only talking about three games, right? Like, it seems almost insane to have such that type of reaction over three games. But it's more really me saying, I need to know what happens the rest of the year. If the re- if it ends up only being three games, then no. He'll still likely get that bonkers contract as soon as the year is over. Or whenever they want to do it. But if this extends and he plays like this for the rest of the year, and we get to the point where it ain't three games we're talking about, it's five, six, seven games of this? A half a season of this? I don't think he's getting that deal. Not now. Which, again, is okay because there's not... There's no deadline. He's not really at this thing where we think free agency exists in the NFL. It doesn't really exist in the NFL. The Ravens can make sure that doesn't become the case. They have the ability. They have the mechanism to do that. Not that they want to, but they have the mechanism to do it. So they don't... They still have the leverage here. This, these next five weeks will not only determine their season... I mean, it definitely will determine their season, but it will also, in a long way, it will determine what happens with Lamar Jackson. For now, contract-wise. Likely. I, I keep putting caveats on it, but that's the reality. Winding down. Uh, I don't... Oh, sorry. I'm looking at something else. John Proctor just sent me. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, John, but no, I can't. It's hard for me to describe that. You got to. I get what you're trying to do there, but um, it's not great for. Put it on Twitter. Put it on Twitter so I can retweet it for everybody. Um, Today's show also brought to you. I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting carried away with so much going on. Also brought to you by Project Game Day. We're back this Sunday. I'll be with you. Halftime, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. It's myself and Ken Zalis post-game there and at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. We'll see you for Project Game Day this Sunday. It's brought to you by Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, and Underdog Fantasy Football. Project Game Day every game day this season. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular. We will wind things down. I've been sitting on a bunch of finish lists. Maybe we'll squeeze one of those in before we wrap things up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressboxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser Show. The next Taz Bowser Show is Tuesday, December 7th at the Bowman on Harford Road in Parkville. It's brought to you by Pressbox Great Eights Memorabilia, as well as Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com, and the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard joins us courtesy of my bookie. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash Sports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year, DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Power rankings will be up hopefully shortly at PressBoxOnline.com. Of course, do them every Tuesday, um, so you'll be able to check them out there. I'm trying to think of something. There was something I left out of power rankings, so I don't want to give anything away. Oh, uh, yeah, you know what? I got this from Tim in Bel Air yesterday. All right, this is from, we'll do a finish this here. We'll have some fun before we wind down on a Tuesday edition of the program. Uh, from Fox 19, which I believe uh, I watch every day. I have no idea where Fox 19 is. I, I don't know. It's in uh, the tri-state, of course. It's in uh, northern Kentucky and southwest Ohio. It looks like it's a Cincinnati affiliate of uh, the Fox network. Um, man blanks. Um... Yeah, man blanks blank with one blank as blank blanks on way to blank. Man blanks blank with one blank as blank blanks on way to blank. Got it? Man blanks blank with one blank as blank blanks on way to blank. Yes. All right. Man swallows drugs with one gulp okay. as he travels on way to school. I like it. I like it. I, I, you're, you're. It's a good start. That's a solid start. You, it, uh, keep going. Yeah, none of them were correct. I mean, I, right. I can't, I can't. I wish I would give you better. Uh, none of them were right, but I, I, it's a good start. I like this. Man evades police with one turn as he drives on way to bank. Um, no. 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 All right. Not um, one word was correct. Not okay. one word was correct. Give me a number one to six. Uh, three. Hand. 
hand. With one hand. Man blanks blank with one hand as blank blanks on way to blank. In the last one we did, I learned that pretty much nothing is off limits. So yeah, I mean, we, we try to keep them cheeky. Like, we right. try not to end up having the story be about, like, a... Uh, you know, somebody who, who killed 20 people. Like, we try to keep it cheeky. Right. Man strokes ego with one hand. Okay. As siren whistles on way to church. Hey, what if I said it wasn't his ego that he was stroking? That's, that's, not, that's not it. That's not it. It's not it. It's <laughs> not, not what he was doing. All right. Um, man drives car with one hand. Wait, we already said drives isn't one of them. That's correct. It's All not right. drives. Um, man picks ass with one hand. Okay. I could see why this would be a news story in uh, Fox 19 as in Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's high-level reporting. As, as Bengals fans on way to stadium. As Bengals... As Bengals waves, as Bengal, no. See, you said Cincinnati, so I was trying to go with the football team, but okay. it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really work. No. It really doesn't work. Not, a, not even a little bit. Uh, Proctor, I like your guess. Florida man catches gator with one hand while family leaves on way to divorce clinic. I like I like where your head's at, but it's not in Florida. I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, we said the story was from Cincinnati. I don't, uh, yes, it, it, this is uh, too unrelated. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's related to the Cincinnati area. Man. Man number one to five. Uh Two. All right. Baby. Man swaddles baby with one hand as... Mm-hmm. Mm. Might be my trying to, Again, you might be trying too hard to make yeah, it make sense. My, my, my brain doesn't... It's always my supposed to be an ad lib. Just say anything. Way. Just say anything. All right, man swaddles baby with one hand as uh, wife scours on way to uh, store. Wife is correct. You got one there. Wife is correct. Man blanks baby with one hand as wife blanks on way to blank. Mm, man... Man feeds baby with one hand as wife... Um, what's 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 the word? As wife lactates on way to ah, the hospital. That's where you're going. By the way, hospital also correct. You're piecing it together now. This is something. Hospital also correct. So you're only down to two blanks. Man blanks baby with one hand as wife blanks on way to hospital. Man, it's it's very close to what you guessed, Proctor. It's extraordinary, cl extraordinarily close to that. Man saves baby with one hand as wife seizes on way to hospital. Seize, she has a seizure. You're yes. just going with, it's calling it seizes. Um, Proctor's guess. Man delivers baby with one hand as wife drives on way to hospital. So close. So close. The man actually caught the baby with one hand as the wife delivered on the way to the hospital from Cincinnati, two unrelated tri-state couples at Mercy Health Fairfield Hospital are the proud parents of newborns who came into the world in unique ways. Ryan Emge's one-handed catch 
of his daughter, Rebecca, deserves a Gold Glove Award. Quote, Rebecca made it evident that she was coming and not waiting, unquote, said Kelly Emge. Ryan and Kelly were driving on the highway on their way to the hospital Friday when Rebecca decided for herself it was time to come out. Real quickly, Kelly took her seatbelt off, put her knees on the seat facing the back, and started giving birth in the passenger seat while I was driving to the hospital on the highway, Ryan recalled. Faced with a determined baby, the couple had to improvise. I had kind of a freak out, and I was like, quote, honey, do you want me to pull over? What do I do here? And she's like, no, keep going. We need to get to the hospital, he said. The baby started coming out, so I just reached over with my hand, and I caught the baby, unquote. Rebecca landed in Ryan's hand, and he led her gingerly down onto the seat below. Well, as a man who has two children, I have seen, I have witnessed some things. I have, they, they, there's one thing they don't do enough of in baby class. It is fully prepare you for what you're about to witness. They get you ready for like the, the parenting part and how to handle the baby and like all that sort of stuff. But they need to give an entire night to, you're about to see some things. Your life will be forever altered by what you are going to witness. She is, of course, going to feel pains that she'll never be able to forget. And they do their best to prepare her for that. You will be seeing things unlike anything you've ever seen before in your life. I don't care how many horror movies you've watched. I don't care. Like, you're, you're, you know, you're that guy. I've seen some things. No, you haven't. Not until the first time you watch someone give birth to a child. They don't prepare you well enough for that. I have talked about this ad nauseum. There needs to be an entire night, and they need to have visuals. They need to get the sting out of this. Did the un uncut version of um, Knocked Up prepare people enough? It's slightly. It gave you a better preparation for it, but you'd forgotten about that. It's been years since you've watched the DVD version of Knocked Up, right? Like, you watched it when it came out, then you sort of put it away. They need, when you do these stupid baby classes, which, by the way, are helpful. I encourage you to do that if you're, uh, if you're expecting. It was helpful. But they need to take a night and say, this particular night is for the gentlemen. Ladies, you may go next door. I would offer wine, but you're not able to do that because you're all pregnant. Sorry. You need to understand that you are going to, there are going to be images here that, that are going to come with a trigger warning. You are going to see things. It ain't right what you're going to see. They're going to confuse right. you. You're going to be messed up for a long time based on what you're about to witness. But you need to see it so you're better prepared. Because I got to be honest with you, I was not prepared. I. And I don't, like, faint based on blood. Like, there are people that legitimately faint because of blood, right? Probably not somebody that should be in a delivery room. Probably should choose to come in when the process has completed. I was like, oh, my God. I thought I was watching a murder. I mean, I <laughs> was just not prepared. Doing it in the back seat of the car, using one hand to catch the kid as you're trying to drive. I don't give the man. He should get an EGOT. He should get all of them. Grammy, Emmy, uh, Oscar, Tony. He should get all of them. EGOT this man. 
It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. God bless you, uh, that uh, the Emge family in uh, Cincinnati. All right, let's get a tidbit as we wind down. Tidbit is brought to you today by our friends at Glory Days Grill. They've got the short rib grilled cheese sandwich on the seasonal menu right now. It's comfort food seasonal menu. And that's about the most comforting food you could ever possibly ask for. Throw in the fact that every Thursday they got $5.99 chili nachos. They got $6.99 burgers every Monday at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Of course, the Glory Days Grill in Towson. They're also collecting our coats. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to find out more. What you got for tidbits? Much better than yesterday. Uh, with their win last night, the New England Patriots took over sole possession of the number one overall seed in the AFC. If the standings were to hold as is, it would be the Patriots' eighth number one seed since 1975 when the NFL first started seeding by winning percentage. Believe it or not, the eight wouldn't be the most in the NFL. Which other five teams have the best have been the top seed in their conference at least five times since 1975, and which two teams currently have eight or more? Wait, okay, hang on. That just confused me. Say, say the both qualifiers again. All right. Um, there are five teams, right. aside from the Patriots, right, that have been that, the top that, seed. That have been the top seed in their conference right. at least five, five times. times since 1975. Right. Two of those teams yes. have eight or more. Oh, okay. More so than it's the not, you're not naming two more teams. No. It's just the two of them happen to have done it eight times. That's Correct. the part that I got thrown off by. Uh, the 49ers. 49ers are number one with nine. That does not surprise me. Um, the Cowboys. The Cowboys are tied for fourth at with six. The uh, the Colts. The Colts, no. They only had two. It's a little surprising, but I get it. They were up against the Patriots a lot of those years. The Steelers. Steelers tied with the Cowboys for fourth at six. The now, when I say fourth, the Patriots are third. Right, okay. Uh, or t- the Patriots are tied for second. The the Packers. No. So slightly surprising, but only slightly. Yeah, believe it or not, the Packers only have three. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, you know, they, it's slightly surprising. I mean, it's really kind of remarkable. You have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back, and you've only been the number one seed three times. Like, yeah. It feels like it should be more than that. I feel like i got to go back further. Washington. No. You said the, the air since 19... 1975, and they yeah. started doing seating based on winning percentage. So, I mean, it really could be all over the place. It could be the Dolphins, for example. It is not the Dolphins. Yeah. They only have one. Yeah, I mean, in more modern years, I get that, but they go back that far, there was a possibility. No, Proctor, not the Bills. They only have three. <clears throat> the Bills are a good guess, though, obviously. The early 90s Bills certainly stand out. Um, I don't think it's the Chiefs, but I'll say the Chiefs. No, the Chiefs have four. Awfully close. Yeah, awfully close. <clears throat> wow. Um, I mean the the obviously the Bears. No, the Bears have. Oh man, the the Vikings. Three. Vikings have three. I am really surprised by this. I am really surprised. I am running. Low. I think what's what's tripping you up is some of the teams now you wouldn't have considered to be good for a while, but they were good. No, back yeah, then. that's what I'm, I'm. I've named a couple of those teams already. 
Oh, the Broncos. The Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos. Second. Yeah, Tied for second with eight. Yeah, I should have said that or earlier. Or actually, they are second with That's eight. The me. Patriots have seven right now. What about the Giants? The Giants, no. They have three. I'm, we're getting to a point where we're basically naming all the teams. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. They're coming in at six with five. There you go. All right. Very good. That is better. Much better today. Step up. Step up. All right, uh, Tidbit was also brought to you today by uh, your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort or perhaps convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, I just got word that Tyus Bowser will be joined tonight by James Prochet, Ravens rookie receiver. James Prochet will join Tyus Bowser for the Tyus Bowser Show tonight at uh, the Bowman on Hartford Road in Parkville. Look forward to seeing you out there. Please bring your uh, coats and also please bring uh, new unwrapped toys for uh, Grade 8's memorabilia. Totally Tubular, brought to you by the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show, which returns on Thursday at 11.30 a.m. KZ will help uh, set our lineups for the final week of the regular season. <coughs> I know I was going on about the wind earlier, but thank you, because I was up against Josh Allen last night, and uh, in one of my leagues, uh, it was the trio of Josh Allen, Tyler Bass, and the Patriots' defense, and there was no throwing, so the Patriots weren't really able to get any interceptions. And on top of that, Josh Allen wasn't able to do much of anything. And despite the fact that I was only leading by something like, I don't know what it was, like 29 points, I pulled out a victory, uh, which uh, was unexpected. So I, I am appreciative of the win for the fact that they uh, it wrecked havoc on uh, fantasy football last night. That was a good thing for me. But we will set your lineups on Thursday, 11.30 a.m., every Thursday for the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show, brought to you by CCBC Glory Days Grill and the Maryland Department of Transportation. Here is what's coming up this evening, totally tubular-wise. Not a lot of uh, local hoops, as Patrick Stevens mentioned. Uh, Navy is at George Mason tonight, so if you want to like check out uh, Kim English, if you want to do some scouting. Jay Billis was just going on uh, earlier about how he doesn't think it's too much of a jump to think that Kim English could be the next Maryland basketball coach. and. I do, to some extent, agree that like the coach is more important than the resume. Like getting the right person is the most important thing than getting the right track record. But it it's still tough. You're throwing a lot of faith in someone that doesn't have much of a track record. But ESPN Plus for that tonight: Navy and George Mason at seven. Mount St. Mary's is at Santa Clara at nine on WCSports.com. Uh, as far as big college basketball games tonight, um, uh, Jay Billis mentioned the Jimmy V Classic, Texas Tech, Tennessee at 7, and Villanova at Syracuse at 9.30, both those games on ESPN. Everything else, go to glennclarkradio.com to find out uh, about college basketball-wise. Uh, CBS Sports Network's got the uh, Champions League this afternoon, 3 o'clock. All the games are on Paramount Plus, the Golazo Show on CBS Sports Network. TNT, Nets Mavericks at 7.30, Celtics Lakers at 10. ESPN Plus and Hulu for Predators Red Wings at 7. Ducks Sabres at 7.30. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, live in front of a studio audience, the Facts of Life in Different Strokes on ABC at 8 tonight. Jennifer Aniston is part of that, right? Yeah, she plays the um, the uppity rich Right, girl. yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I, I, these aren't my shows, so I'm like, I just don't remember. I, I, I liked, I remember watching reruns of Different Strokes when I was a kid, but... Mm-hmm. I, just not my shows, but I, I don't know. People seem to enjoy these. Yeah. 
nostalgic, I guess. Uh, JB Smoove is guest hosting Jimmy Kimmel Live tonight with guest Christy Teigen, Brandy, and musical guest Amine. Um, the People's Choice Awards, hosted by Keenan Thompson ah, at 9 o'clock on NBC. Never miss them. Um, there is a documentary premiering on HBO Max today called The Slow Hustle. It's about the death of veteran detective Sean Souter within the Baltimore Police oh, Department. Yeah. Oh, Sparks was, new questions of corruption. I mean, this was a huge story locally for a while. I mean, this was a massive, massive story. Yeah, so it's a documentary premiering on That's HBO Max today. It's very interesting. Um, it was uh, Blair was who Jennifer Aniston is playing. Have you watched any of the Tom Brady stuff I have yet? Not. Uh, neither have I. I keep forgetting to. It, it's, I, I said before, this one's tougher for me because it's pr- he produced all of it, and so he's telling it the way that he wants to tell it. And so I... Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's I'm just not as compelled to watch that because of it. Like I just I would rather it be like a documentarian who was making a documentary about Tom Brady and he was involved, like he was telling his side of the story, but they were going out of their way to get other people's sides of the story as well. Specifically, I don't like I don't know how they dealt with Spygate, Deflategate, things along those lines. I would just like it if it wasn't Tom Brady wasn't the one making the show. But I he, didn't deflate the balls. I don't know what they were talking yeah, about. Or if they, but we I, won anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a whole different thing. Whole different thing. All right. Uh, totally Tubular was also brought to you today by... Oh, there's one more that I owe this to. I owe this to... Who do I owe this to? Oh, Chick, your, your local, your Baltimore area Chick-fil-A restaurants. I love the opportunity to talk about Chick-fil-A. Love them. If you're looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Thanks today to Jay Billis, thanks to Patrick Stevens, and to Mike Golick Jr. We'll get all of it up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Um, we'll continue to talk about the Maryland situation tomorrow. Mike DeCourcy is going to join us. We will have uh, segment one of Tyus Bowser's show with special guest James Prochet. And Drew Forrester will check in as he does on Wednesdays. Stuff and things all coming up on the program tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, ExxonMobil, KNS Automotive, Maryland Lottery, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, the Baltimore area Chick-fil-A restaurants, Maryland Department of Transportation, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com, and my bookie. Please get us your coats and clothes. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, it's pinned all of the locations for drop-off boxes. Please let me know if you want in for our college football bowl pick'em contest. Four hundred dollars to be had for the winner. hundred dollars going to uh, what we're doing for the folks at Helping Up Mission. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. We'll see you at the Bowman on Harford Road in Parkville. Go, I don't know, whatever. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.